police. Tell the sheriff I shot him. Who? Tell him he's still on the loose. Is this some kind of joke? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. You don't know what death is. <laughs> To help with the Halloween 2 heavy lifting, we brought on the man who is also known as a Swifty. If you're not a fan of Taylor, there will be repercussions. You can hear so on his podcast, Dark Discussions. If you disagree, he'll tell you to ban, burn, or set Elmo on fire. To have him on this episode was rather dire. He's no soccer mom, Karen. Why, it's a man himself, Philip Perrin. Woo! Phil, welcome to the show, brother. Well done, Lacey. That was great. <laughs> did you like that? <laughs> I did. That was awesome. And speaking of that, I um, brought my daughters to soccer, and so the two of them in the back seat, and we sang all the way there uh, three Taylor Swift songs. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, style, um, Red, and Betty. So the 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 edited version with the, without the profanity. Yes. <laughs> now now I gotta ask. I'm gonna ask you a few questions, but uh, this one is not a part of that. I have to ask, like, where did the obsession with Taylor come in? Like, what what? How did this happen? Yeah yeah yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Well, uh, <laughs> he's like, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, ba- basically, um, when I had the little girls, uh, six and four year old, now they're about to turn five and seven, obviously. Um, next month in early December but what happened was is, is for some reason I was playing Katy Perry and my youngest loved the song or the video that was on like YouTube and so she got into Katy Perry and then after a while it, it's like no more Katy Perry there's no new stuff so um, what happened was is we bought Secret Life of Pets so they could watch that and I was with my sister and my, and my immediate family out to dinner because my sister was visiting. And we had the iPad up at the Bertucci's restaurant. And the song comes on because it's the first song at the very beginning of the Pets, which is uh, Welcome to New York. And my sister mm-hmm. goes, oh, what's that? That's, that? that's a Taylor Swift. And I go, oh, really? So, so later that, the next day, uh, while we're outside playing uh, like hula hoops with the kids. Uh, <laughs> I decided to buy that album, 1989, and because they liked the song. And then I just started listening to the album, and and then I said, oh, I gotta buy the next album. And I bought the oh, there's an older album. I'll re, you know buy Red and I'll buy uh, Fearless and so on and so forth. And so within that. <laughs> month i just bought all the albums and i just started listening to them and i just became a big ridiculous fan a big swifty <laughs> yeah a big swifty uh, kind of, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you think of the uh, new album uh folklore yeah folklore that that one's actually pretty solid because it's it goes back to uh well it's it's kind of americana folk country right. So, so it's kind of more to our roots because the last two albums, Lover and Reputation, were okay. Right. But, but 1989 and before that, especially before that, were all like country, pop rock type stuff. Right. And, and uh, this is kind of like that, except it's more folky, but, but it's more like our roots. 
Do you like, prefer that? or Like Teardrops on My Guitar? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favorite album is probably Red. That, that okay. album, I think, is the best because it has almost every song off that album is awesome. And it has the country sound and her eventual pop sound like merge perfectly. So right, most right. songs could be played in any country or or uh, Americana mix, but it all they all could be played in you know mainstream stuff too. And so it, it was it was like just perfect um, album, I think. Hell you yeah, know, man. I have to ask, you know, like your profile picture is of Taylor. Like you update it like all the time. Like you're constantly talking about her, and I'm sure you I get a lot of people I thinking. Respect. Skype. We're looking at it right yeah. now on Skype. <laughs> um, a lot of people, you know, think like, is, is this guy a troll? Like, is he a true fan? Like, do you, how often do you get that? Um, I think, at, at, well, at first, a lot of people thought I was just a joke. Because, you know, here, here's this guy that, even even though uh, I'm into horror films and whatever, right. I'm, I'm kind of prepped. So, so I, I'm like, not in a box because... Uh, I, you know, I'm, listening, I'm hanging out or, or talking to people with tattoos and rock and roll shirts and all that, and yet I wear prep stuff. And then I I listen to a classic rock all the time, and yet I'm also listening to Taylor. So so, so people <laughs> and so like one of our listeners for Dark Discussions, I remember Amy Rain, who um, actually does a podcast now, uh, Fishnets and phantoms uh she actually thought it was people were just joking when, when they the, you know when they were talking about me liking taylor swift and i was i go no i'm serious i think she's awesome and, and so so yeah I, I get it a lot where people are confused no i love it you're one of a kind yeah i knew over time i, I got it i was like no he's serious oh yeah yeah, because it would be a, a pretty cool, uh, like, running gag meme, right. I think, too. Yeah. But it's real. Yeah, but it's real, yeah. <laughs> hey, and, 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 you know, Phil, to be honest with you, I, I can attest that she can write a song for sure. Like, anybody can talk trash about her or whatever, but nobody can deny that she is an amazing artist. And like, nobody period. can deny that they do want to be her ex-boyfriend. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. It's true. Yeah, I actually, uh, someone uh, trolled me, uh, someone that listens to my podcast, saying, oh, she's just another, you know, uh, singer that, that sings other people's songs. And, and so I, I write this whole blurb and I put links to, to uh, these, these articles. No, dude, she writes 99% of all her songs, either co-writes or writes. You know, she's amazing. It's, it has nothing to do with her, you know, just being a good singer and, you know, like Miley Cyrus and, and then have other people write her material, you know? I mean, she's she does everything. Right. She doesn't. Well, now, like, so obviously you would probably know this. My actual favorite video, like, she also has really good music videos. And the one that sticks out to me is, I can't think of the name of the song, so you probably know it, but it's obviously the one where um, she's like, Taylor's dead. And, like, it's very, like, zombified and, like, horror-esque. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that, I think I think that is. Look, look me. Uh, look what you made me do. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I love that video. I think it's great. I think it, you know it appeals to genre fans as well. Kind of what I mean. Obviously, it's not like Michael Jackson's thriller, but it's in the realm. Like you don't see a lot of artists doing like horror esque shit. So you know, I definitely appreciated her for that. Right. On. Right. Yeah, it is that one. Uh, look what you made me do. And and even better that one is. Um, 
uh, are you ready for it? Because that one is like all cyberpunk. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Yes, I have. I'm a fan of that one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool, too. <laughs> so, obviously, you know, we uh, have Philip Perrin on this episode, so we definitely had to get some Swifty talk in. Uh, <laughs> now we're going to move on to, uh, since you are a first-time guest on uh, Cut to the Chase here, we yeah. do um, our Fast Finger Five, Finger Bang Bang uh, <laughs> questions. Finger Bang! I'm going to ask you five questions and uh, we will, you know, uh, you just answer them um, at your pace, usually fast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So since we were just talking music, um, I have to ask, what is your favorite themed Halloween song? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I guess I will say... Monster Mash. It was oh, a mash. mash. It was a Monster Mash. <laughs> a Monster Mash. It that song mash. is so fun that it'll never get old. Never. Ever. Yeah, and what is it, like 70 years old now or something, too? It's like crazy. <laughs> uh, dude, I have this memory of Monster Mash. Um, the This one house in my neighborhood where I grew up in, in Attleboro, Massachusetts, Hollow, New England. Um, I've driven through there hundreds yes. of times. Yes. <laughs> Right on 495 and yes, dude, you know, you already know. Um, uh, yeah, we there used to be this one house that used to blare the Monster Mash, and and I swear it's it's one of those memories that is just burnt into my cerebellum forever, and I'll just forever love that song because of it. It just it was a perfect Halloween night, and they just had the speakers up, the whole house decked out to the tees. It was it was one of the greatest things ever. I I love that song. I really do. I think that's the first song that like I actually think about. Yep. When yeah. Halloween, it, that the Adams Family is a big one for me. Right. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> I mean it just those are the two most iconic for me. Obviously, um, Mr. Sandman. Yep. yep. Uh, which we'll get into a little bit later. But yeah, so I think that's great that you chose that one. Yeah. It's it's interesting too because of this movie that we're going to talk about tonight is the only reason why Mr. Sandman. Is, is right. considered a Halloween film. It's kind of weird, but right, yes. yeah. right. All right, so we'll move on to our next question. All right, have you ever experienced anything paranormal? I have not. No. no? Okay, so then I'm going to ask you, what is the spookiest thing that's ever happened to you? Um. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I, I, I hadly thought about it just like a week and a half ago. Um, there was this, in like first grade, um, I was sitting in class, whatever, and then I, I had like this sh- feeling, shock type thought, and my, I just had to turn my head immediately, and when I did this, there was this, this girl that did this exact same thing, and we, and we both just looked at each other, and Was I it think, Kismet? I don't even know what a kismet is. What is a kismet? Uh, where something... What, what, what's, a, what's a cock? It's <laughs> <laughs> two words. I'm trying to say. A cock or a cock? Oh, whatever. How would you pronounce it? I don't even know how to it's, it's cock. <laughs> I love you. Uh, kismet. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, kismet is like where things fall aligned together. Kind of like fate. Yeah. 
Yeah, I see what you said. Yeah, I, I, it kind of felt like that. And then as I got older, and I actually probably even a couple of months after it happened, uh, because I, I, I kind of, like, none of it's real. I don't believe any of it. Um, I just, I just kind of said, oh, I was just a fluke or, or something with, with my own. It had nothing to do with her, and it just had to do with me to have to look or, or something pull, pulled. And then... As I go look back now, 20, 30, whatever years now, I don't, I don't know how to say how many years, um, I think, I wonder if it is what those people say, which is we all have this tele, not telekinetic, ESP or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, right. And, yeah. Intuition. Yeah, intuition. And it just disappears as you get older or, or disappears because you just don't believe it. You know? well, yeah, that's a big but, thing, right? Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't know if it was anything, but, but. It's kind of cool to think, wow, maybe it was ESP or, or intuition or some sort of deja vu or something, you know? Right. Well, uh, they, they, in the Matrix? Man, they've activated that pineal gland in your mind. And, yeah, like you said, we don't use it, um, you know, that third eye that they call it as well. We, we don't use it normally. Uh, you can access it through through some, some ways, whether it be drugs or meditation or all these different types of things but i i do think that there is something to it or that or like you just said a glitch in the matrix one of the two (laughs) (laughs) like i okay the closest thing that i've had it's not paranormal but it's similar to what phil said to where it's like deja vu Mm -hmm. but it's not just like oh a moment of deja vu it just keeps going and going and going and like you just remember i thought we were doing an auction bid there going and it's go- gone and, <laughs> and uh yeah that that's that yeah so i know what you mean so. sorry i didn't mean to throw you off oh no it's okay <laughs> but yeah i know i definitely know what you mean though phil you never know it, it do you attribute that to something or is it just a pure coincidence yeah exactly so i i i i would uh uh, like to say that it was just a pure coincidence because I don't want my world to flip upside down because suddenly these things are real. But it would be kind of yeah. Cool. It's like if you feed into it, then you know, yeah. obviously, that's when crazy shit starts to go down. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So moving on. Now you are pretty vocal, you know, in social media, and when you don't like something, you say, "Burn it all down." Let it burn. <laughs> yeah, I was saying um, it before the riots. <laughs> you were. Well, let me rephrase. Let like, me rephrase. Protests. Protests. You're like, you're like, lay down the band hammer. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, I was telling Watson to do that. Get him out of here. Get that guy out of here. So I have to ask, you know, since you like to light things up. Yes. Uh, what is your favorite? scene that involves fire or an explosion in a horror movie that's a good one um i mean it better be a good one yeah yeah uh um i think i think uh john carpet is the thing with the flamethrowers and when uh, when when palmer burns well a 40 year old film i'm not spoiling it um and if, if anybody listening to this podcast and hasn't seen the thing, you're an ass. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think I think when Palmer turns into the thing <laughs> yes. and Windows can't get his uh, flamethrower going, and then uh, what's his face? Uh, 
uh, Russell takes the, the flamethrower and, and takes him out. And that yes. was actually, that same scene is actually um, right lifted right out of uh, the original 1951 or what, whatever year it was, the thing from another world where the creature's burn and, and he jumps out the window just like that and runs into the snow. And that scene, I think, is, is the coolest. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Now, you know, oddly enough, um, with, with that phrase that you have now, there is a deleted scene, I believe. Um, it didn't make the end of this movie, but it's when the... Um, when, when they're trying to basically uh, <laughs> save Michael uh, when he's being burnt, and Loomis is screaming, let him burn! So there's that correlation too, yeah. And that's, that's a good movie. line, yeah, yep. I like that line. Let him burn! And sorry, Phil, I had to put on earmuffs because I'm actually seeing The Thing for the first time. Don't tell her what you said, Phil. Don't yeah, tell so, her what so you I, just said. So, so I took off my <laughs> earphones. As soon as you said The Thing, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I've avoided spoilers for over 30 years. So. <laughs> and, and, I, and I just called any listener of this show must be an ass because of their heart. <laughs> <man. laughs> Whoops, sorry, Lacey. What happened? He goes, anybody that's listening to the show that hasn't seen the thing is an ass. Oh, did he? <laughs> well, no, I, no, but I'm doing it right, Phil. I got tickets to see it on the big screen. Ooh, Here's the- nice, nice. I've never okay. seen it on the big, so that's he- cool. So, so I'm doing it right. Here's the thing about Lacey Lou that, that maybe not everybody understands. She is an OG. When, when she has a, when she says she has a collection, holy shit does she have a collection. And she can, she can name movies that I've not only haven't heard of, but like indie movies from, from movies that are just classics. Everybody has their weak spots. And the thing that I love about you, baby, is the fact that you'll openly admit it. And much like me with my weak spots as well, we just try to embrace it. Like we still, we're, we're, we're not, we're not against it. We're all about it. We're, we're telling people we're going to see it and, like, we make events out of it and stuff like that. But, yeah, like, the the thing I know that you're going to love. Yeah, I mean, Carpenter is a weak spot for me. Right. Um, aside from... Just in general. Yeah, no, I mean, um, the, I think I've only seen maybe three of his films. I've seen Christine. Yep. Halloween. Yep. And They Live. Oh, wow. Phil, do you have any weak spots? Do you have any films that are classics that you haven't seen besides Halloween? Uh, <laughs> well, it, it, it yeah, depends so, on, on yeah, what do you the definition. Mean you people assholes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, th- th- this is. I always get ripped for this, um, and it's not because they're necessarily classics, because they're sequels and whatnot. But I yeah. haven't seen any of the sequels really of any of the big franchises. So, so like what? Friday the Thirteenth, I've seen the remake and five. Out of the sequels, and then this franchise here, Halloween, I had only seen uh, the the nine, 2018 in the original, and then of, and then yeah, and then the witch one, uh, the you know the third one with the masks, right? And yeah. that's it. And then for Nightmare on Elm Street, I've only seen the third one, Dream Warriors. Why is this though? Like, I just have to stop you. Why the fuck is this? Like, you're <laughs> bitching about people not seeing the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because a lot of the critic, well, I, I used to be a, a film snob, so um, a, a lot of the critics would say 
these films sucked. And, mm. you know, they would say, you know, the first one's great or whatever. But but then, you know, you get 12% good reviews on Rotten right. Tomatoes or something. And I go, why do I want to waste my time watching that crap? And so I never bothered watching them. And also, um, when I was a kid, I wasn't necessarily able to watch R-rated films um, compared to, like, a lot of my friends who their parents, oh. you know, didn't care if you went to the VCR store and rented R-rated films. I couldn't do that. I so love the fact that you just called it a VCR store. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that's the reason. And so by the time I um, started doing the podcast, I had never really seen any of those films. And, and I never just, never bothered. And Is it so fun for you, like, when you get to do stuff like this, though? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, absolutely. I, I always uh, enjoy checking out films that a lot of the people I talk to on Facebook, you know, have seen, and I haven't seen it yet. I said, all right, might as well do it. I mean, you're doing it with the thing. I know Anthony Thurber, who does another podcast on the yep. network, um, he hadn't seen the thing yet, I don't think either. So, so there, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of folks um, haven't seen some of the more well-known cult horror films, and they shouldn't be ashamed because, hey, good for them. They get to see it now, you know, for the first time. Right. Well, okay, the, the big difference here, though, especially when it comes to franchises, is, you know, there are a lot of really, really, really shitty ones. Like, they're, like some yeah. of them are so bad that it really sucks because it takes away from the good ones. Like, Friday the 13th, man, like, part two and part four are, like, I love part like, three as well. Part three as well. Yeah, those those first few ones are great. One they're, through four. Are they're all, just all, classics. Yeah. And it, it goes off the rails after that. I actually that. really like part five as well. But, but <laughs> yes, yeah, same with Freddy, though. There's a couple good sequels. Like, obviously, everybody talks about Dream Warriors. but And, and I personally love four. But then everything else, I don't know, in my opinion, it's just subpar so in a way I'm kind of like jealous you're almost getting like in in some of the ways the best of the best but in my opinion too there are certain ones that I would suggest checking out and, oh yeah yeah <laughs> and before we get into uh, you know this we still have two more questions okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is maybe the slowest fast five ever but <laughs> <laughs> I love it Okay, um, you actually have two daughters, uh, Colette and Vivian, I believe? Yep, that's right. Oh, awesome, I got them right. <laughs> I, I try to remember, you know, like when I appreciate people and their posts on Facebook. They're so like, cute, yes. I love seeing posts of you and your family on Facebook film. So, you know, obviously, and I know that you've showed them somewhat of, you know, the horror world. So I have to ask, what was the first horror movie that you showed them? Oh. And why? Right, right. Um, well, I, I showed them a lot of the trailers, so so they they've seen little mini films, if you want to call trailers mini films. But, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, but but real horror films um, that they've watched. Uh, the first one that uh, they fully watched was uh, Monster Squad. Perfect. Oh, I, yeah. that, it's a perfect Oh movie. my yep. man, perfect. My parents showed me that when I was a kid as well. Yes. Yeah. They, how did they react? Um, they, yeah, they liked it a lot. Um, it's weird because my older daughter is a little more scared of stuff than my younger daughter. Um, but all in all, they, they, um, liked it a lot. They thought the monsters are cool so you know like, like I have a, the creature from Black Lagoon I have this this book of like horror monster, uh, monsters yeah. from 
movie history and, and the cover is the creature and so when that creature appears in monster squad they go there he is the creature from the black oh, and stuff like that, that. so they're excited yeah yeah so they're that's excited. Fun. So isn't it fun to like get a shit like i mean i'm never gonna have kids in my life but if i did uh you know horror movies and you know kid-friendly horror movies like i would want to experience that so it's like reliving it yeah, yeah. is that well, how you well, feel yeah, and you know, I I bring them to the the well, I can't now, but but before COVID, I was bringing them to the conventions and stuff. Yes, so so yes. I love paid, your pictures. Yeah, yeah. So so we met that the lead actress from Ash versus the Evil Dead, and I haven't even seen one episode of that show. But I said, there she is. She's a monster fighter, and so they were all excited to meet her and stuff. <laughs> and yeah, so they got pictures of her and, and her autograph and stuff. So so yeah, they they love all that stuff, you know. Uh, of <laughs> course, of course they. My my older though still bought like when I you know they could choose one toy uh, at the convention and my older daughter still chose a Barbie. So, <laughs> kind of, well, you uh, still got uh, one other daughter right now. I'm kidding. We still have Barbies at the convention. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was like um, yeah, it was just this huge guy that was selling all these like toys. Like, yeah, so, yeah. So we had, so we had the you know Star Wars stuff and you know, right. everything, but but he also had like these fancier Barbies and stuff. So gotcha. Was, this huge red dress and my, she wanted that one. So I said, all right, that's fine. Oh, dude, I'll, I'll tell no. you, man, the conventions are so fun. You could spend so much money. I there. think ridiculous. one of my favorite parts of this year though is uh, we went to Walmart to get like Halloween decorations, and well, we like to just browse too, right? You know, so like we're just browsing, and like all of a sudden we like look down. And it says, and we look down, and there's a Barbie, and it says, 2020 Barbie, <laughs> like in the Halloween section. <laughs> oh, was 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 it dressed in like a, a costume or something? No, uh, it was just the. Is that a COVID it was, it mask? Was the, no, it was the 2020 Barbie, but it was in the Halloween section. <laughs> <laughs> we we have some fun at Walmart. We we make Walmart our date night sometimes. Yeah, no, I mean like it's uh, as long as nobody yeah. else is in the store, we enjoy Walmart. We're good, right? Yeah, Walmart's actually a damn good store. I it love is. going to Walmart. Yeah, I, I do a lot of my like, grocery shopping there. And, yep. And then I always check the DVD section. You know, see yep. if they have any any deals there. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty solid store. I don't I don't care what people say. It's good. <laughs> right. Yeah, we like to go around the whole store. Like as long as nobody's there. Like the we found the best time to go is like eight o'clock on a Tuesday. I was gonna say three in the morning. <laughs> well, no, they used to be twenty four hours. Yeah, they close at right, ten now. Right, right, right. But... Yeah, same same with mine. It we used to be twenty four. Now it's close to ten. Yep. Yeah, it's weird. Weird times we live in. All right, so last question, Phil, and um, I gotta do it. I ask everybody: fuck one, kill one, marry one. Uh oh. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and is it is it from a movies or anything or what? Well, uh, Phil, well, that's the that's the interesting part. <laughs> well, I have three names here that I'm gonna give you, and you're gonna fuck one, kill one, and marry one. Ah, good. Right? Okay. I have a feeling I know how this order is gonna go. Do but, you? Yeah. Okay. But I'm gonna ask it fucking anyways. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my fucking seat. All right, Phil, fuck one, kill one, marry one. Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, Miley Cyrus. Go. All right. Um, okay, so um, <laughs> Katie, for, for, fuck. <laughs> Does that mean uh, you're yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So positive, not, not, not fuck you, but yeah, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Miley for kill, and then Taylor for Mary. Yeah. Now, now, do you like Miley at all? Yeah, yeah, she's all right. Yeah, I mean, we were, I watch Hannah Montana all the time with my, my daughters. They, they so, love so, her. 
who should I have substituted in for Miley? Oh, who I hate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good. Maybe maybe Beyonce. Maybe. Oh. Maybe I don't really like her. I mean, I don't. I don't. I'm indifferent. I'm just trying to think of someone that I hate, and I don't really hate anybody. So I'm just thinking of indifferent. Mar- Maria Carey, maybe or. Did you just uh, call it Maria Carey? Maria, isn't that how you pronounce it? Mar- it's Mar- Mariah. Mariah, that's right. Oh, <laughs> Maria Carey. Yeah, All right, that's, that's going to be a thing from here on out. Maria Carey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I don't even think she does like has albums anymore. So I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't <laughs> think I really hate any. Bill, you are a national treasure, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't think of <laughs> All right, so now it's the time of the night to uh, what everybody's actually going to listen to this for, aside from, you know, the Swifty talk. I don't know. I think more people will tune in for that. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. Thank you so much for, you know, being a good sport with those questions, because they're not always easy. (laughs) Hey, Phil, it's good to see that you don't have bad blood. Good job. Oh, actually, uh, so, so was was I, or I should say, Dan, were you right? Did I pick the, the three in the order you thought I was going? Um, I, so I wasn't sure if you were going to... Oh, because Katie and, and Taylor hated right, right. That was, that was You knew you were going to kill Miley. But see, that's where <laughs> the beginning of this podcast comes into play. We just learned that you're in it for the long haul with Taylor. So, of course, you would marry her and fuck Katie. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> well, but, 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 but if, if you marry the person, you get to do that anyway. Right, right. <laughs> hey, not always. Phil, that's... <laughs> That's what you call a loophole. Hey, I was well, at least once. Ever. At least once. Right, right. Uh, Before they cut okay. your arm. I guess anyway. we'll give it that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so guys, we are going to get into my favorite out of the entire franchise, which it boggles my mind so much, Phil, that you haven't, you had not seen this movie until uh, we asked you to be on this podcast. Um, I, I, I messaged you and I was like, hey, would you want to do uh, one of the movies for the Halloween retrospective? And you were like, well, yeah, I've only seen uh, this one, The Zombies, and 2018. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, uh, you know, obviously, if I can introduce part two to anybody, that's what I'm going to do. And so that's why I definitely wanted to choose this one for you. Well, you know, it's weird that I'd never seen it because he meaning John Carpenter, uh, along with his wife at the time, um, wrote the film. Mm-hmm. And I, so I figured, you know, that if it's going to be a Halloween, I, I want to see that isn't the original. You would think this would be the one I would, I would watch. I just hadn't watched any of them. So, so, so um, I pick this one for you? Um, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I, I have seen the first two to four minutes where, you know, you, you see that awesome quote where he goes, you don't know what death is and stuff like <laughs> that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's like, um, it was kind of like the one that I probably would, would have chosen, I guess, had I uh, really thought about it. But since I hadn't seen any of them, I, I, I said, you know, you steer me to where I should go. So you chose this <laughs> one. And I was, like, I was like, good. You know, privately, I was going, yes. Well, I love uh, so many aspects of this movie that we'll actually get into here in just a bit. But one of the first things that sticks out in my mind is when they play Mr. Sandman. You know, um, it, it, this is 
you know, aside from the Halloween theme, this song always resonates the Halloween Michael Myers to me for some reason. Classic. Yeah. And so I would direct you after watching this to go watch H2O as well, Phil. Yeah, I, I, I always wanted to see that one too. And the reason was because I was old enough to understand it when it came out because they were really pumping it up. She's back and, and you know, 20 years whatever. Later. Yeah, yeah, and all that. So I assume, and, and it actually, when it first came out, uh, it was getting good positive buzz too. So I, I, I think I, I know what you mean that, yeah, I, I would probably want to go to that one next. Yeah, I definitely well, recommend watching it before the end of this season. Well, this Especially is. Especially since you just watched part two. Well, this is great, though, because I don't. And if you do know this, Phil, uh, forgive me, but I, I don't know if uh, he fully understands this, but the Halloween franchise is kind of like uh, Choose Your Own Adventure. <laughs> it's yeah. one of those. So it has different timelines. So the timeline that H2O follows is from 1 and 2. Yeah, 78, 81, 98. And it ignores, obviously, 3, because 3's got nothing to do with it, 4, 5, and 6 as well. Yeah, and actually, Resurrection is part of this timeline as well, but fuck Resurrection. Right, so so <laughs> they, they literally canceled themselves out, uh, you know, back in, uh, what was it, 1998 that H2O came out? Yeah, it goes from, you know, after this one, uh, it's a direct sequel. It's a direct sequel. Now, what do you think of that in terms of franchises doing that? Do you think that that's kind of a cop-out, kind of a cheap way out of... Uh, you know, just ignoring certain sequels, Phil, or what are your general thoughts about stuff like that? that? That's an excellent question, and generally, you know, the, the, the common answer would probably be that it's unfortunate, and, and it kind of sucks, but having grown up on Godzilla films as a child, yes. where where they have multiple timelines that they do the exact same thing, right? it doesn't really concern me or even surprise me. Right. that another horror franchise would do the same thing. So right. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And not only do I not think it's a big deal, I kind of like it. You know, even the guys that did uh, did 2018, they said, we're going to make three of these. This is going to be our story arc. We're going to have Wari in them or whatever, and, and that's going to be it. And then we're going to pass it along, and somebody else is going to take the reins. And I'm sure they're going to follow their own timeline as well. Yeah, it's it, going to probably create a whole new timeline, to be honest. But I like that. It keeps these characters uh, alive. alive. And, you know, if you're a sucker like me that'll just go every year, you know, like the Saws were coming out every year. I don't care, man. Some of those Saw movies suck, but, but like... But they're all connected. But they're all connected, and it's fun. It's an event. And just like the Halloween movies, now now we got, like, what, uh, two coming out next year, I think? <laughs> I think one got pushed forward. So we have, I think, two Halloween movies coming out next no, year. No, I think we're only going to get one. I, don't I get want ahead to. Of I want them all. Don't now. Give me them all. <laughs> all right. Well, before we well, get to... Uh, if I, if I could interject and add to exactly yeah. everything that you just said, Dan, you know, they've already done that with with comic books, right? So, you know, you have right. five different origin stories for the Joker, right? right. And then, you, and then oh, yeah. with the movies, you got the Nolan movies, which alone are those three films is, is like its own franchise. And so no matter totally. what they do anywhere else, they right. still have those. And then you have the oh, Joker yes. that came out last year, which is independent. And, and so, you know, sure. it, it's it's done all the time for all different type of genre stuff. 
Yep, I, I think that the, there are no rules anymore. I think that you know, with Michael well, Keaton, rules were come, made to be broken. If Michael Keaton can come back as Batman and go toe to toe with Ben Affleck, anything is possible. There you go. <laughs> Did he just say do ya? And, and what, what is it? What, what is he like? Sixty something now? Or something? Oh yeah, man. Well, I, well, I mean, he's not supernatural, which is the difference about Batman, you know, compared to Superman is. Yeah, that's true. Batman's just a guy. <laughs> Batman's just a guy. With, with, with cash. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna get the synopsis, and then we're gonna actually dive into Halloween too, you guys. Let's, <laughs> let's, do get, it. let's get away from Geek Squad here. <laughs> All right, so the synopsis to part two is: While Sheriff Brackett and Doctor Loomis hunt for Michael Myers, a traumatized Lori is rushed to the hospital, and the serial killer is not far behind her. I think that's kind of a lame description, honestly. I think they could have done better. But uh, that's the one that is the main one on IMBD, so we'll go with it. All right, then. Um, so, yeah, so we're getting back into Halloween 2. And what I love so much about this sequel is the fact that it's so different than, you know, a lot of other sequels. Uh, I mean, you have Friday the 13th. Have you have, have you seen part two? No, you said you hadn't, so never mind. I haven't, yeah. Okay, so this one... All right, so we'll just speak... I just got my giant box set in there. Nice. Well, you fucking better. (laughs) Uh, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. But so this one actually takes place on the same night of the original. Yes. Like, do you like that aspect of it? Or do you think it should have been sometime later? I mean, not a lot of films do that. Not a lot of sequels do. Pick up right up. Yeah, right the same night. I think it's smart. I I love it. I think it's eerie. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's awesome, actually. Yeah, you yeah. liked it? Yeah, yeah. It, I, I thought it was great it, because you still got Loomis, and Loomis is the best. <laughs> Everybody loves Loomis. Well, uh, you know, there's that shot. It's, it's the, the op- continuous it's a, shot. It's the opening shot of the movie that when he's falling off the balcony. And just, just to go back there, you know, obviously after seeing the first one and how it ends and obviously how he disappears. And that's such an iconic scene because you don't know where he is or whatever. Now we literally get to pick up right when that happens and see exactly, you know, the aftermath of of that first movie. Because I know for a long time, I didn't see part two. And number one, um, I I would watch and always just my mind would wander. Like, where where is he? Like, where is this going to go? Like, did he just disappear forever? And so the fact that they continue the story, like you said, pick up exactly where the first one leaves off. And they definitely tell their own story with their own cinematography. They're not trying to do the same thing as the first one. I, no, lo- feels- I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's more like, um, you know, I feel like the first film is very um, on like, uh, like, so say you're accelerating a car, you're like driving 30. This one gets accelerated. And to- hits Ben Tramer. <laughs> yes, I mean it like goes to eighty. Yes, you know, like or right. it goes from zero to one hundred real quick. Right. Yes. You know, and I love it. Um, the thing that like a lot of people have talked about, so it'd be remiss if we didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we're gonna talk about a lot of things that everybody's already talked about, but I, 
if we're doing this, we got to do it right. So well, hell yeah, we got to hit him. So obviously, in the first film, he shoots him six times at the yeah. very end, right? As you're mm-hmm. talking about the balcony scene. Yes. <laughs> and and you made a good point as we were watching it. We actually backed it up several times. Well, th- okay. So here's the thing. All right. So if everybody's watching the scene over and over again to tell whether we shot him six or seven times. That's fine. I think that's pretty obvious. You just gotta listen and you can hear seven and you shots. Count. So it's different. Okay, fine. What people, what not, not <laughs> it's not everybody that disregards this, but a lot of people I just it. disregard the fact that the same scene that we're watching over and over again is Michael not falling, falling over the, um, the rail on the balcony. So he's basically going, walking up and over the balcony, up and over the side of it. Yeah, it's like there's stairs. It's like there's stairs and he's walking backwards, upwards, and then he falls down. And it just, to me, I remember seeing that at a young age and being like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. (laughs) I was like, we're not off to a good start here. What do you mean? I love it. I love this movie so much. Well, because... That was one of the most noticeable, like, odd things that I've ever seen. I guess it depends on, like, how engrossed you are in a film. I wasn't engrossed. Like I said, I want to know what the hell happened to him. But then he just just steps over the fucking railing. It's kind of like uh, with A Nightmare on Elm Street, that opening sequence when, you know, he's... uh, When Tina's in the boiler room and I can clearly see Freddy's uh, where he's kneeling down before he pops up. Oh, right. You can see him. Like, right. I mean, it's something like that. Totally. So I get it. 100%. And it just depends on how much you are, like, focused on the movie. Like, are you noticing these things? Or... I noticed one of yeah. the first times I saw this movie. I was like, but, what just happened? So did you notice that, Phil? No, no. I, I honestly didn't, didn't notice at all. I was still, um, like trying to figure out what was going on because I, I wasn't expecting it to pick up right after right right, right. You know, that moment so i was like is this a flashback or are they continuing right so so i was more into that than actually noticing i guess what what you dan think is a, is a flaw maybe oh yeah, my god i didn't if, realize okay, until if, dick dan pointed if out you if you watch it again <laughs> there's no way you can unsee it no way <laughs> You're you're ruining people's experience. You, every <laughs> listener now is going to go back and watch it and go. Phil, let it all burn. Burn was, it all this down. This is literally a perfect film until I watched it with fucking Dan. Chase. I'm breaking the movie magic open and. and well, I did it for you with Nightmare on Elm Street, though. You did. <laughs> yeah, it ruined the whole movie for me forever. I can't watch it. Wow, this is God. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, you know, actually, Phil, I have a bone to pick with you. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Ah. All right, so obviously it's a continuous shot. He falls and, like, gets up. So, like, obviously, like, he's traveling down the street and, you know, looking for his next victim or looking for a safe place to hide. Because, I mean, it's kind of weird that, you know, like, he gets up and walks away, but then he finds out that Lori's at the hospital, so he wants to go there later. Um, It's kind of funny. But, um, (laughs) or he's looking for a weapon, maybe, that as... I would like to think. Right. But so he goes to this elderly couple's place. The Elrods. The Elrods. And uh, what movie were they watching on TV, Phil? Oh, uh, uh, Night, uh, Return, uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yes. Ah. And now do you know why I have a bone to pick with you? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. He said, you should be shamed. (laughs) Well, I just watched, Um. um, 
I just watched it uh, A Night of the Living Dead. So I'm doing uh, the 22 Shots Challenge uh, JP created. And you, one of my films... You, you hadn't seen that yet? Or... No, no. So this was all just... Okay, so when I rate a film, what I would like people to know is it's just based on my pure enjoyment level of the film. Like, it's not based on, you yeah, know... Right, like, right. Yeah, technical aspects do come into play or whatever. But I'm not taking into account, like, the cultural... You know, the, significant the symbolism. The, yeah, so you, you, yeah, you want to watch a film because you want to have fun. You want to enjoy it. Yes, and I think that's where a lot of people like. I I get hated on a lot for you know my opinions on what I rate films, but honestly, it's just based out of my pure enjoyment of the film when I'm rating them on my personal Facebook. If I want to like dissect and break it down, I'll come on a podcast and maybe somebody will change my mind on my rating. But when I'm specifically pointing, uh, posting them on my personal Facebook, it's really just about my enjoyment of the time that I watched it. Right. Right. And, and you, and sir. It was a film that you <laughs> liked and I said it sucked, is what you're saying. Oh, no, I thought you oh. were telling me. No, I didn't really like it. I gave it a three just because I thought oh, it right. was. Yeah, and I said it was a classic or something like that. Yes. What What do you mean? Like, it's Night of the Living Dead. So where do you follow on that movie? I'm confused now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually loved that film. Uh, I actually had it. It was weird. I used to be a, a buddy of mine that um, used to get all the R-rated films. And so that's where I would watch the R-rated films was over my buddy's house when I was 17. And he got that film. And he started playing it, and I thought, you know, it was just going to be another Universal because it's black and white, you know. Yeah. And then I'm watching it, and it's like, holy shit, this is violent as hell. And, and so I'm watching, and it scared the hell out of me, especially the the scene with the trouble in the basement. And so I'm right. like, this movie is awesome. So I I loved that. It was one of the only films that I can you know think of just on the top of my head that I was like scared when I was watching it, or at least parts of it anyway. The parts. So, no i really wasn't mad at you i just think it's funny when people come at me from films that like how i rate based off of my own enjoyment well level. At, at least at least i didn't call you a heretic like i so i usually do i always scream out heretic you told me i needed to burn <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's all but, good it's all good. Oh, I know. We just mess with each other. <laughs> You're one of my favorite people on social media. And if you take Phil or I serious, then you have serious issues. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm surprised you even reacted when he said that about Night of the Living Dead. I thought you would have just been like, it's Phil. And oh, no, I was messing with him. I was just like, you're going to shame me? K. Like, I mean, it's all in good fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm coming out with uh, a burn of... Uh... Elmo Burn, and you, you know that that it's it's, it's a tongue in cheek. He's breaking up the big guns, yeah. The Elmo Burn, <laughs> I, that's like my favorite GIF of all time. That and Boom from Anna Kendrick. That is good. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. so uh, we're at the um, old couple's house. Harold, do you want mayonnaise on your sandwich? <laughs> Well, who doesn't want mayonnaise on their sandwich? <laughs> I mean, uh, right, exactly. Now, what I thought was odd, you know, as you watch the films, and we've been, you know, kind of doing a marathon because we're doing these uh, retrospectives, is in this one, it's a little bit different because um, he doesn't harm the dog, or at least it doesn't show him harming the dog. Not this one. And he doesn't um, harm the elderly. And I, I think it skimmed over that. And then he just went to the teen girl. 
Right. Well, there, there is um, a question that people bring up a lot in Halloween 2. And does he kill Mrs. Elrod or does she just, uh, is she reacting to the knife missing? Uh, you know? I think it's, she's reacted to the blood on her hands and the knife missing, right? So, well, and, and that's what it is. Well, right, yeah. obviously. Right. Yeah. With, well, with you, you know, it's funny. I, like I said, I hadn't seen any of the series, right, except for the first and, and the remakes. Yep. And so this scene kind of just reminded me of, of 2018, where, you know, he would just go into people's houses and half the people he would kill and half he would just ignore. And, and he ignored these people. He just needed a knife. And and then when he goes to the next-door neighbor and kills the babysitter, or, or, or I should say the young girl, I was confused why why he did that, and then I'm thinking, oh, that's right, this is 1981. Uh, young, nubile girls are the victims, and yep. that's why he killed her. And it's like, okay, it makes sense because you know if you watch any slash from that time frame, that's what happened. So it suddenly clicked for me, you know. Well, and it's funny that because that scene is an homage to this scene in the 81 version in 2018. That's what yeah, that yeah. scene. Yeah, and 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 it plays out. And it's funny though; those technically are not the Elrods because the Elrods are mentioned in the 2018 later on when the fat kids running through the Elrods' backyard. There, the Elrods are the ones with the lights there, you know. So um, it's just a cool thing that they threw in there. But yeah, yeah. Um, another aspect that I really, really enjoy of this movie is that. You know, as the first one ends, it's very ambiguous. Mm -hmm. And this one, you get to see the aftermath, as you said before. This time, you get to see Sheriff Brackett discover Annie. And um, it kind of makes sense that, like, uh, yeah, so um, in this one, you get to see where uh, Sheriff Brackett actually discovers, you know, his daughter Annie has been killed by Michael Myers. Right. And it kind of makes sense that, you know, the law enforcement isn't as equipped to handle things because they lose their sheriff. So it makes sense that uh, they're not as strong as what they should be. Right. You know, they lose their driving force because obviously like he's out grieving with his, uh, his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually really, really like that aspect and it makes sense. What's the guy second in charge? I like him more than Brackett. I like the guy in the second oh, one. Because you couldn't pick up the weed smoke in the first one? <laughs> well, I mean, that. listen, that's on him. <laughs> I got no beef with him because of that. I mean, that's great, actually. But, no, I, I, like, the, I like the guy in this one. I think that he, uh, he listened to Loomis a little more. More so than a lot of people listen to Loomis, you know? Especially in later films. Exactly. And he gave him the lighter that ended up, uh, that Loomis ended up using to... At the end. Burn it all down. <laughs> burn it all down. Exactly. <laughs> what did you think of that aspect, Phil? Like, did you like how they showed the aftermath? Um, yeah, actually, um... I mean, I could see if I was, you know, back in that time frame and, and I was a teenager watching these films, um, you know, after seeing this awesome film, a lot of people want to go, oh, I want, I want to see a part two. You know, It Follows was a great film. I want to see part two, even though you don't really want to see a part two because you don't want I don't to even see the first one. one. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> um, and so, you know, this, this film here, it's like, oh, wow, I get to see what actually happens right after you know what where did michael go and all this other stuff and so i, th- I think it was a pretty solid idea and i do love the fact that um the screenwriting was smart enough to say you know what we got to take out take the sheriff out of or the, the chief out of the the film because obviously he has something more important which is his daughter if this was a uh film that was weaker it would have said oh it's just my daughter let's keep on looking you know <laughs> right, right. Stupid, revenge you know? 
Yeah, exactly. Or, 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 or whatever. Or just, you know, like, we'll deal with it after, you know, but, right. you know, this is, this is a serious thing. And, and so I, th- I felt it was a, a really good uh, setup, I guess, for what's going to happen. Right. I mean, uh, as we go through this episode, you're definitely going to get my fangirl on for this film because I'm a big advocate for it. So, and one of those reasons is uh, the realism. And, you know, it actually did showcase, you know, the horrors of Halloween. Uh, one of the most effective scenes doesn't even have to do with Michael Myers. It has to do with the kid that, uh, you know, had uh, razor blades in his candy. That's so fucked up. Like, that scene has just stuck with me my entire life. Like, um, do you check your kid's candy every year, Phil? Um, I, you know what? I don't have to because my wife does. Well, okay. So, I mean, but <laughs> so you guys, you so, yeah, so it happens. Yeah, 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 right. Our family does check. You're right, right, yeah. I like, mean, I, I mean, I, I, when I was a kid, you know, I, we lived through the, the, the razor blade scare, you know, so we always checked it when I was a kid. So it's just second nature now, you know, that my, right. family, my family, if it wasn't my wife, I would be doing it, you know. See, right. uh, anytime, like, so we would dump out our candy when we'd get home. And anytime my mom seen a popcorn ball, she would shoot it like it was a basket into the trash <laughs> or a ball into the trash. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah no we, popcorn balls for us. Right. I've, ne- I've actually never had a popcorn bowl. Oh, they taste awesome. They're really good. Because they're caramel. That's what holds them together. <laughs> they're good the stuff. Best. No, and you're right, but like, if it was ever anything homemade, it'd be like, no, no, we're taking that away. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, there was one weird woman in our neighborhood, uh, you know, the nosy neighbor and all that, and she would um, open up, like, bags of candy corn and then put them in little baggies and give the little baggies out. Oh it's, yeah, it's, and then th- those would just be tossed, even though we knew who right. the woman is. We just tossed right. them because it's <laughs> it's it's like open, you know. Right, absolutely. A character that I feel that is the most underrated of the entire franchise is Ben Tramer. How is Ben Tramer underrated? What do you mean? What like, are you talking about? Okay, well, no, like after this scene, like he's never talked about again. Oh my goodness, baby. Like if he does not come back in a big way in the next two films, like I I'm bet sorry, you, but I'll bet you Phil has heard the name. Danny ben McBride Tramer. can go fuck himself. No, I'll bet you uh, Phil even knows who Ben Tramer is. Here. All right, Ben Tramer, Phil, tell me who Ben Tramer is. Um, you know what? I know the name. See? But I, I don't know which character he is, but I, I okay. know the name. That, that That's name. Well, this is his first time watching it. He All right, so do you remember in the first film where um, her and Annie are in the car and they're smoking pot? And she's like, she's like, do you even think about boys, Lori? Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'd yeah, rather go with Ben Tramer. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, she sets it up to where they're going to go to the dance together. Yes. And so... All right, so in this movie, it comes back in a big way, and I love it. Like, I love this scene. This is so iconic. This is so great to Oh, oh, is, is Ben... No, Ben's not the one that gets hit by the car, is he? Yes! yes. That's Ben Tramer! Yes. Oh, yeah, all right. Okay, do, do so, so that was the guy that, that PJ Souls was trying to set up with cool. with uh, Laurie. Uh, well, they all were, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what's great about that, though, is that scene is ridiculous. That scene is so ridiculous. First, it's Loomis 
trying to shoot him, and he's clearly just looking back, and he starts, like, running across the street. And he has a candy bag. Yeah, and he's just like, <laughs> oh, shit, yeah, exactly, while well, he was out with his buddy drinking. And, uh, but yeah, like, he's running away from Crazy Loomis, who's trying to shoot him, and then out of nowhere comes the cop car. And it like, explodes. <laughs> it's one of the most ridiculous scenes ever, and, like, every time that cop car comes, I can't help but laugh my ass off. I'm so, I know it's bad, but like, it's just so absurd. I love that scene. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, say, I'll tell you this. The, the scene is a pretty cool set piece, there's no doubt. But I, I think you're, you're, you're right on, Dan, because yeah, Loomis just waving the gun, you know, at some random person that may not even be the person he's after, and then, right. Right. The cop is the actual person that kills the kid. It's not. It's not like he just gets run over from some random person. <laughs> we'll just right. wait till you get to four. <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. And, and and then you know then the the car like you said exp- explodes and, and the fire and and so yeah it is kind of ridiculous. Oh, and then they're so nonchalant about it. You know, right. it's you know it's like like oh my god it could have it may not be him and we and the poor kid you know so and they they didn't do that they were just like well you know it's probably not him so. It's unfortunate, no doubt, but it is a cool set piece, and I think it that's is. why a lot of people probably would would wave away those those issues that you're noticing, Dan. But I, I noticed them as well. Well, and, well, you're both wrong. But you know what, too, though they 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 have like somewhat of a callback when they mention you know um, the dental records and stuff, and it's obviously I'm glad so- they brought that in, yeah, because at least it wasn't yeah. just something that disappeared, you know. They Especially actually- for '81. See, people don't understand that you can tie up little threads like that and 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 push the plot forward at the same time just by adding like a few words, just a, a couple lines here and there. It goes a long way, and that's yeah. one. That's another reason why I love this movie, though. It's it's very simplistic in its its execution, but at the same time, it's 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 full of those nuances that I think people really love in in slashers like this. You know, it, it's got its own identity. The Halloween franchise has its own identity, and while they play it to death, I played it to death uh, in the sequels. <laughs> I think that that formula while done correctly while done right it it's just it's it just makes for a great movie and that's why i think that the first halloween's a great movie but the second one is as well and the second one improves on the first one in a lot of different ways yeah i mean uh but there's also things that me as this is my favorite that i notice that i don't like about it like what Okay, so obviously um, Lori's hair is different. It's supposed to be the same night. That, yeah. Like, it looks like she's wearing a wig. Like, I don't get it. Like, it's curly all of a sudden. Um, also, she's not as shy. Like, uh, maybe she's, like, traumatized, I guess you can go with that. But, she's I mean, she's definitely flirting with Jimmy. And he's definitely a creeper, in my opinion. Is he? I feel like Jimmy's a creeper. Like, yeah. he, like he's obviously, like, 23. This girl's 17. Uh, okay. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, that is a creeper. Like, he's in her room, and, like, the nurse comes in, and she was like, all right, it's time to go. I thought and he's they like, said okay. they go to school together, no? Well, how could he be an AMT if they're going yeah, to Yeah, how could he be an AMT? <laughs> that's a good yeah. So, he, he is gross. Oh, my God, that's, you just... He is a creeper. Yeah. What do you mean? 
He's like the nicest guy though. He's got his little afro. But he doesn't do anything. Like he doesn't really contribute anything aside from a really but cool slip and blood scene. Right. But but maybe, but maybe he, he's he's a nice guy because he just wants to get in her. Exactly. You know? Right. You know, and that's gross because she's 17 and he's a 24 or something. I mean, he's got to be at least in his 20s if he's in. Well, EMP. think think about it. He has to be learning from uh, what's his name, Bud. <laughs> Bud. He, he, like if he's with Bud all night uh, working with him, he's got to. I'm sure some of Bud's traits are rubbing off on him. But uh, here's the thing. Okay, I think that that while yes, you're right, he is a creeper. I will also say this that it is. It is a good kind of subtle way to 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 progress Wari's character, but at the same time make her familiar with the surroundings. You know, she's got a friend in there. Obviously, he's you know trying to sneak her in cokes, and and there's that kind of cute little relationship there, or whatever. But at the same time. I like how mellow it is. Yeah. You know, in a lot of movies, especially sequels, it's like it's very amped up, and everybody's ah, and 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 at this point in the night, you know, well, they they think he's but, gone. Everything's kind of calm, well, but, and I like that. Also, you know what? We're prejudging him because even though he's kind to her, and maybe he does find her attractive, he never. You know, ask her out or anything, right? So, so he, maybe right. he's not a creeper. Maybe he just is a kind kid. You know what I'm saying? And and we're just looking at it as in he's flirting with her. You know what I'm saying? When, when maybe he's just kind and she's the one that's doing the flirting. I, I don't know. Right. No, 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 I gotta stop you right there because you know what? I'm Team Ben. He literally just got put up in flames. She was so excited about him like 40 minutes ago. And Ben's all of a sudden, dead, Jimmy baby. comes in, and she's like, ooh, the CMT. Like, but, I mean, she wouldn't, She didn't even want her friends to call him and tell Ben to go to the dance with her. So, I'm sorry, I just don't buy it. Right. This is my major problem with the movie, mind you, aside from maybe shots to the eyes. But that but, says something about the movie, though, if you got to dig that deep to find a problem. Yeah, I mean, I love this movie, but I'm just saying, as right. a person that, like, I'm Team Tramer. I always will be. Right. Some dude friend requested me, um, and his name was Ben Tramer, and I was just like, who are you? Because I feel like he is underrated. I know you don't think he is, but okay. if they don't bring him back in this new... Here, here's the thing, Lacey Loof. In order for something to be underrated, like, you're talking, like, people that aren't talked about. I hear Ben Tramer's name all the time. That scene, just because of the flub, too, of how, you know, obviously the body's down, in the next shot it's up, next shot it's down again. That's an infamous kind of movie flub in this as well. But no character that has been killed so early <laughs> in, in, in a movie that he actually stars in is talked about more than Ben Tramer. And that's not just because of two. It's because of one as well. He's one of those characters that they're, they talk about a lot and you never see. Right. So he's almost like... You only this, see him in the Michael Mouse. He's like this mythic figure. We don't know what he looks like. We don't know anything. Well, we don't even actually know if it was Ben Tramer, to be exact. Hey, oh, that was we Ben Tramer. Assume. No, that was Ben well, Tramer's Well, no, they dad. never got the dental records. Ben, you don't know. I'm going to start a punk band called Ben Tramer's Dead. 
I hate you. Uh, <laughs> like, Ben Tramer is my dream man, and I've never even fucking met him. He's walking with his buddy, baby, when, the, when it happens. He's got his little candy bag. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, clearly, he was out with him drinking, like they say in the first one. And, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's all in good fun. And another thing that's in good fun in this movie that you pointed out to me is that Dana Carvey, um, Garth himself from Wayne's World, yes. is has a cameo in this. Did you know that, Phil? I did not. That is interesting. Yes. What, what role? What, what did he do? What, what uh, was well, uh, he doesn't talk like. Uh, no, is he he's an extra in the background or something. He's he's talking. He, I, I believe he's the cameraman uh, for one of the news reporters, and they're talking about setting up a shot or something like that. Um, while yeah, they're getting ready to interview the cops or whatever. So yeah, so that would be the second uh, Mike Myers that Dana Carvey has worked with. Oh, look at... Ooh, oh, wow, well oh, oh. Extra close-up! Whoa! I love that. I didn't even put that together when you told me that. Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get back to Dr. Loomis here for a second. Let's. You know, I think, you know, the heart of the franchise is obviously... It, a lot of people will say Jamie Lee Curtis, but... A lot of people, like 90%, will say Dr. Loomis. Loomis is... He, he, Donald Pleasance is such a... Oh, man, he's such a legend, you know, and and with these movies, I mean, especially you hear those stories of him and Carpenter in the first one. And, you know, he was he was helping, you know, unscrew the light bulbs and, and, and help with that. <laughs> film. Like, no, seriously. And this is like a seasoned vet actor. And, you know, he's been in fucking the James. He's a James dude, Bond. He, dude, film. He, dude, dude, he was in, he, the first time I ever seen him. So. When I think of Donald Pleasance, I don't think of this film or yeah. this franchise. I always think of The Great Escape. He was he was the forger. Yes, dude. Dude, the, exactly. dude he worked with Steve oh. McQueen and and Garner and, and Attenborough. I mean, he's a legend. And, and I'll best. be honest, Phil. I went back to, and I've seen him in those movies, and obviously from Halloween, that's where I know him. But man, like, it is so cool to see him you know back in the day and then kind of towards the end of his career start this whole halloween thing which is completely out of his wheelhouse in a lot of ways i know he did obviously prince of darkness with carpenter as well and all those things but at the oh, same he, time he did uh frank langella's dracula too for, oh, did he? Really? Dark, oh my, yeah, oh yeah. Like, was oh, that's right. Wasn't yeah. yep. Look yeah. at you guys go. But no, he's just such a legend. And in these movies, I don't know. Like, well, it was I, a smart I, thing to, for him to do, right? Because he was—he never was able to become a superstar because you know he, he doesn't look like like Brad Pitt. But he had a great <laughs> career in the '60s and early '70s. And then, as his career was floundering, he said, right. "You know what?" I, I, I'll do these films, and then he became a legend again. And, you know, it yes. reinvented his career. Yeah, I for, love that for, for a new generation. To, to, okay, I'll be and and I I said this on a couple podcasts. Um, the one that we did the did it on uh, Halloween 2018 when they play the recording with his voice on it. Goosebumps, man! Fucking goosebumps! Like it was it was a short little thing, and he's just talking about my and he's just like burn the body, dismember him, and he's just going on. And it's just like, it it does bring it back to why we love these movies. It's Michael, it's Loomis, and it's Laurie as well, yes. But to me, it's always been Michael and Loomis. It's the doctor, it's the fucking psychopath, 
and it's Halloween night, baby. And that's where I want to get into this discussion. In this movie in particular, yes. uh, Dr. Loomis said, Michael has been obsessed with me. But I think that's wrong. I think that uh, Loomis is obsessed with Michael. So it's basically like Mean Girls. She's because, like, why are you so obsessed with me? No, because if you notice, like, Michael doesn't give a fuck about Loomis. Like, it's always Loomis chasing around Michael. He doesn't give a fuck about Lori either. <laughs> like, in 2018, uh, Dr. Sartain has to well, bring him to Well, his this is the film that they talk about... Uh, that they brought up the brother-sister aspect. This is where it went from him being just a random babysitter stalker to I gotta kill my lineage. Yes. Is, now, that, is that the word? Lineage? Uh, uh, lineage. Lineage. Oh, I was close. Now, Phil, <laughs> did you know that about this movie, that it was revealed that they were brother and sister in this installment? Well, um, I I did not know that this was where it was, but I knew there was something about it because, you know, when Daniel Harris started going to conventions and people, would, I, I didn't even know, I didn't even know who the hell she is. She, she was in Halloween. I go, I, I don't remember her in Halloween because I haven't seen any of them. And uh, then I'm reading about how she's the daughter and and the, and the niece and all, of, of Michael. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So, so this, the, the, two, the two big reveals for me in this film here is that he's related to Laurie, at least in this timeline, and yep. right, and and that he's a supernatural monster and not just a human being like I always thought he was. Right, right. See, and, yeah, he's still human here. Yeah, and that's that's the fun part. Um, but know, he's more than human, right? Because he can take all the bullets, you know. Like, well, well, we don't. Well, I mean, yes and no. Like maybe he missed. Like you don't actually know if he actually hit him. True. Very true. Yeah. And I'll say this about these movies as well. Um, you know, watching Halloween 2 after seeing the first one on AMC countless times growing up, and obviously it's such a big part of Halloween for so many people, I had to seek out the second one. So I, I had to go rent it. And at first, you know, everything everything is this. They have all the same actors, obviously, in it. Um, a lot of the same locations as well, but it's so different. And I think at first I didn't know how to how to take that. Perceive it. You know, even even the Halloween thing. You don't know what death is. Like, and it was just like, what? Like, okay. And there were so many things that kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I first saw it back then. But I realize now that that those those nuances from the first until the second one are some of my favorites in terms of an original movie and then its sequel. You know, it, it really does improve on the first movie in so many different ways. And it was almost one of the first examples too of them realizing what worked, doubling down on that, adding some stuff that they thought would be a good addition to that. And then obviously axing out some of the, I don't know, maybe the slower stalking scenes. And they were still stalking scenes in this movie, but they are it's more... It's more fast-paced. It's more electric, yeah. Like, I think that they nailed it with this movie. And the first one is a classic for what it is, but in order to try and duplicate that, I don't think that's the right move. I feel like you have to kind of pivot and take somewhat of a different angle. Yeah, I mean, um, let's get into, you know, some of the deaths here. Okay. Um, you know, it always kind of amazes me how in these horror films, there's always a security guard. And it's always, like, the worst security guard ever. Ever, ever. Like, like why? 
Like, I mean, that does not make me feel safe or protected. But I get it because when I go to the mall and I see Rent-A-Cop, like, I don't take them seriously. So I get it. I do. Um, Yeah, well, yeah, mostly these Rent-A-Cops, as you just call them, or to be kinder, uh, security guards. They're there really just to be eyes and ears. They're not really there to stop anything, you know. So it makes sense that you could just have some, you know, slob like this guy, you know. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, you know, actually we talked about, um, you know, riots earlier as well. Um, I'm skipping a little ahead here. But uh, there were rioters, uh, because you see them outside the old Myers place, um, you know, and uh, they're throwing rocks or, you know, like little flame balls to the Myers place. Did you guys pick up on that in this? Absolutely. It's... It's one of the biggest uh, things, I think, in this whole franchise, though, as well. You know, you see in the later sequels, you got the town mob mentality. I believe in the sequel to the 2018 version, uh, they take somewhat of a similar angle and stuff like that. But, yeah, I've always thought that the town mob kind of angle, uh, whether it's, it's just a couple scenes like this movie... Or whether it's like a whole side plot and it literally correlates with everything and kind of ties everything up at the end. It's always a part of these movies. And I don't know. I think that this one plays it well. I think that the other sequels, they may go a little overboard with that aspect. But I do like how it's played uh, in this one. Well, and and the the mob scene was fairly realistic in my opinion because it wasn't a huge mob scene right it was just a, a right. about yeah, 20 like, 20 people and, right. and about and, and only half of them seemed like they were really into it and i think the other half and i don't think it was because of sloppy acting i think they were probably told by rosenthal the director to right. be more there just because they're there for fun you know when you see riots some, some people there are like yeah this is fun let's do it and then right. there's people that are serious you know I want to know, though, where all those people were, what was it, like an hour before while Lori was running down, knocking on everybody's fucking doors and nobody <laughs> couldn't be bothered. And then all of a sudden, now everybody's up and awake and throwing rocks at the windows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean... To, to, there are sirens to, down the street. Right. Yeah, right, right. right. And, and at that point, the, the news had already been out. I right. Mean, on TV that, uh, per, you know, three people are found dead in this, you know, that whatever house, you know, so... Oh, whatever reason they, they just figured it was oh and then they said Michael Myers didn't they say Michael Myers had escaped the mental institution too yes. on the news? yeah so, so also, they immediately go to the Myers house you know and, yeah. and you know what guys that's one of the biggest aspects of this movie that I love as well it's the fact that um, that scene first of all it's not uh, first person POV it's you see behind uh, you know his shoulder I like how they changed that camera angle first of all but the fact that he knows where Lori is as we're following the kid with the boombox and you see him initially and then you follow some other people that you think he's going to go after and then the kid comes back and he runs into him and, you know, Lori Strode at Haddonfield Memorial Hospital. Okay, that's all I need to know. And he's off and running. <laughs> I just thought that was such a cool, clever way to deliver that information to him, to, to give him, you know, that exposition or whatever. And I, I was... I was actually reading uh, on Wikipedia that that scene was added after the fact because when they were editing the film, they noticed uh, a major plot hole, which is how did Michael know Laura was at the hospital? And so Chris, the copper, the screenwriter, decided to 
film that five minute scene himself and add it to the film because he said we need a, a way and this is the way that we'll have Michael know that Laurie's at the hospital. I, I really do think it was brilliant, you know, and there's so many different ways you can do that. And, you know, I've seen so many movies <laughs> to this day in 2020 where it's so sloppy. And I love how they, they work the cool little camera angles in it. And, you know, the kid's not looking where he's going and he bumps into him. Like, that's a classic scene, in my opinion, you know. And I don't know. I just think that. There's so many simple ways to do stuff like that, you know, that that are clean, that are smooth, that are that are stylish, and and they just nail it. Halloween two just sticks the landing in so many aspects, and I'll be the first one to admit it. When I did first watch this movie, things like that I I didn't pick up on because I was more looking at at the story and. I was curious as to where it's going, but the more and more I watch this movie, the more and more, not only do I love it, but like, I just appreciate it. And I love how it goes well with the first one. Like it's a, it's, it's the first one's perfect. Well, it's, you know what? It's almost like a, a nod to the first one because right. uh, the, I forget the kid's name that, that Laurie babysits. Tommy, Tommy Doyle. Doyle. Yeah. Tommy Doyle. And you know, he runs away from the bullies or whatever. And then he bumps right into Michael and right. Michael, you know, is, is scary. He looks up, and then he, you know, Michael just leaves him alone. You know, and, and the same right. kind of thing here, which is kind of interesting yes. because it has, it, it's, it, it even kind of reminded me of No Country for Old Men, where you, you get the serial killer Anton Chigurh in that film, and you know, people are bumping into these guys all the time, and half the time they just let you go because you're not their goal, they're, you're not their destination. You know, so I, I kind of like that, and it, it was like almost a wink to the first one because he kind of did that in the first one too. Toilet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Antonio is one of the best villains ever. Oh my god! Uh, speaking best, of best villains, I feel like Mrs. Strode is kind of a villain in this film. Because what do you mean? As you know, uh, you know, we're getting the story of the fact that her and Michael are brother and sister. Right. Um, I mean, it, it's spliced into pieces in right. this film. Uh, but like, there's a scene where like, you know, Mrs. Strode is like, I think. Uh, hanging laundry mm-hmm. and she's outside and she's like well what about my parents and she's like Lori you were adopted like <laughs> I mean the way that that scene goes down she's such a fucking cunt about it right like I don't say that word yeah. lightly but I mean it was just rude and like the delivery was just wrong to me right right yeah you know? yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's 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 a bad parent um, well, because you, you don't you don't ever want to damage your children and, and that's kind of damaging your children like oh you're adopted you know so yeah it, 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 it's it's yeah she, she's a, a terrible person and also too now um we talked about this on um our, our um the original halloween episode with mike merriman uh in terms of scenes that were added for the tv cut for halloween mm-hmm. too and they were a lot of the hospital scenes with Rory, you know, um, seeing Michael as a brother and stuff like that. A lot of those were added um, for the for the TV version. Now, I was never even aware that there was a TV version or whatever, and I saw the scenes after. And while you get the same information, they really do kind of get into it. You know, they you see a young Laurie, you see a young Michael in all these scenes where it's just like, oh, wow. Considering the mythology to date, it's like 
having those moments kind of as the the origin for it i don't know i just always think it's cool to see and it's cool to see their original kind of interpretation of it you know because it's been done three or four times since then and you know with rob zombies we see this whole backstory that's completely different obviously and i don't know i just think it's really it's really cool how they convey so much story in just a few little scenes in these two original movies carry on throughout the years and the sequels and they talk about them and and all these things yeah i mean talking about years uh this movie is definitely a product of its time as well because i feel like this is the last time that you actually get to see full-on boobage tits yeah I in mean, the hot tub yeah i mean is this you not mean the last time the entire that- series yeah, I don't think you get to actually see like nipple after this movie. Um. Um. Yeah, I mean we watched yeah. four and five. I mean I don't know about part three because I haven't actually watched. You know it what? Yet, You're right. Now I'm going through every movie. We, and we watched part four. I wanted the, to the see a couple, the but yeah. The, what do you mean? <laughs> um, the chick in the t-shirt, like, it pulls it up. But, like, I mean, you can right. see, like, her underboob. Right. But, like, you don't see nipple. Right. You know? I, I so. Yeah. No, absolutely. It is interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And and let's talk about, oh, we didn't get into that uh, death scene. So, the security guard. What did you guys think about his death? Well, I mean, you know, I knew it was okay. coming. You, yeah. Totally. Yeah. You knew it was coming. And, and to be honest, since I'm saying this, in 2020 rather than in 1981 or even in any time in the 80s i'm obviously <laughs> have seen things like this hundreds of times since right so pretty you know you, you pretty much knew knew it was going to happen so it was i didn't think it was that suspenseful because see, i've already yeah. seen it before in other films well and not only that it's the one part in the movie where i would if i were to say there's a weak spot i think that that kill or the leading up to that kill may just take a little bit too long not not that bad but it's just it just takes a little bit to get going and i'm a little bored by the time he actually gets killed but i think in this film has the best kills i mean a lot of people say uh, part yeah. six um but this one particularly because i mean you go from you know 78 to 81 and it just ups it and it yeah. just makes that much of a difference well that was th- those were some formative years though and and while while everybody was i'm sure bouncing off each other and and everyone's trying to up one another at this point you know this movie's kind of a trailblazer in its own right you know right. and and we get to that hot tub scene Dude, that shit is classic. Like, I, every time, you know, you, you see people's lists, and especially of the franchise, and you want to talk about kills, this is always up there. And then beyond just this franchise, just for horror movie kills in general, man, this is this is an iconic scene. And you know me, like, I hate off-screen kills. Right, and technically, right. um, you know, the other EMT guy. Technically, uh, Bud. Bud. Yes. Uh, like, it was technically off-screen, but you still kind of get to see it. So, like, I was okay with it. Right. Especially for what came after. I have a theory that Bud and Axel are brothers. Stop it. Okay. All right, so... <laughs> um, but yeah, he well, comes I, up... It, if I could add that, yeah, it is kind of interesting and weird film in the sense that you have a handful of scenes that are, you know, graphic kills that happen right on screen. And then you have a couple of scenes like Bud and then the head nurse who, yep. and, and even the head doctor are, are right. all off screen. And so it's just kind of weird how they they did I that. I hate off screen kills, Phil. Hate them. Yeah. yeah, and it was three, at least three of them in this one. At least three. Right. 
Yeah, but I love this movie because the the uh, kills that are on screen equates to bigger than you know anything else. Yeah, yeah, I, I love the the uh, ear and the needle to the head. That was a pretty. Oh cool. man, classic. Hey, real quick, because I thought of the, of this when you just said that, Phil. What do you guys think of the mask in this one? You know, obviously it's different from the first one. Um, I personally, it's the last good mask. The last good mask? I don't know, well, baby. We just well, well, let me ask you this: if, You know, you guys mentioned, or maybe it was you, Dan, mentioned um, Laurie's hair is different. Did, didn't it bother you that the, the mask was different too? Ah, uh, uh, no, not well, at the time that I was watching it. Like, it doesn't become more apparent to me till later films that the mask is different. This one was similar. But here's here's the difference, though. In, in all the other sequels, it is a new mask in the continuity of the movies. He literally gets a new mask. This is supposed to be the exact same one. So the fact that it was... Fair enough. The fact that it was different, yeah, it was a little off-putting. But I'll be honest with you, the way that the light and the shadows work with this mask, I find this mask creepier in a lot of different well, ways. Well, maybe he was just trying to throw the cops off with Dick Warlock mask. is the fucking man. I'll just say <laughs> that too. Michael Myers, Dick Warlock, he's a legend. I think he did such a great job uh, as Michael Myers, even when he is just walking through glass like it's nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not a big fan get. of that either. But no, but what I are you I love this do? fucking movie. I really do. Um, you know, when back to that kill scene, mm-hmm. um, to the hot tub, you know, like you can see him turning up the volume. Yep. And the temperature. The temperature, yes. And, you know, he's killing uh, Bud off screen and he comes out and, you know, she's obviously like sitting there like in the towel and she's like, I got to go back to work. And he puts his hands on her shoulders and she starts like kissing his fingers. And then, like, start sucking on them. Do you think, like, all right, so Michael's supposed to be, like, 21, 23, somewhere around that age, right? Do you think he got a boner during the scene? <laughs> like, do you think that's why he prolonged her kill, Phil? Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I, I think he was more confused. because she, <laughs> He was more confused? <laughs> yeah, because, because, because I, I mean, I was a little confused as well, because she, it was almost like you could tell that the actress was told not to turn around. And, and again, you know, you, you, you've seen you've seen these type of kills so many times now. And again, right. I've seen this in 2020, where someone thinks it's someone else, and then when they usually they turn around and they go, "Oh my god!" and they're gonna kill right. him. But but so I'm I'm just thinking he was confused. I don't right. I don't. I, that's why I think he was taking his time. But as confused as he was at maybe him getting his thumb sucked. I was even more confused with the fact that her face is burning as he's putting her, drowning her in the hot boiling water, but his hands aren't burning. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. seem to be phased by fire or burns or, or, <laughs> like, or well, guns. That's why the ending of this movie doesn't make any fucking sense then, because right. if he's not burning at that, but right. she is, like, well, is he, he fire think, intolerant? I, I, think, I think it's partly to the same thing with the, with the bullets. You're, you're saying that, you know, we don't really know if he... But, but we hear Loomis at the beginning go saying, I shot him six times. I right. shot him six times. You know, so he's he's surviving all these bullets. So I think something like hot, scolding water would, would be nothing to him at that point. Because I'm already convinced at this point, 
that maybe he is supernatural. And and then yeah, okay. the time, you know, tale that we have in the car, I'm, I'm convinced that, okay, now they've turned him into a supernatural monster, not just right. a crazy nut. Well, and, and you know what, too? I think originally, you know, obviously when they say the shape and, and, and what he represents, they're really going with themes here. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think that they did want to make the boogeyman. Um, did I think that it would become so kind of iconic to then again have the character return and constantly just just get beat the fuck up over every movie to where it's like it just becomes unbelievable like here's the difference uh jason got to zombie jason at some point you know um a lot of these people a lot of these um you know horror icons get to that point to where it's pretty much known that yeah like they're already dead they can't be killed any longer you know freddy krueger from the jump man and uh with michael myers though it is always kind of left up in the air but he does he shows he shows when he's hurt you know um throughout the series he does feel pain obviously when he reacts you know whether whether she's uh, she's warding them off or sticking them with a uh, with a coat hanger or something like that, so you know that he feels pain, but I think it just speaks to the psyche of you know a mental patient who hasn't spoken years and and they're kind of playing that aspect of it up, um, and they're playing the whole you know this guy has no soul and, and well. Yeah, I, I think I think the first film, you know, when he, she gets stabbed with the knitting needle and or whatever those things are and, and so forth, right. I, I don't. I think the first one they weren't planning a sequel, similar right. to like Friday the Thirteenth. So yep. I think he was just supposed to be a crazy nut. That, totally. You know, you know, and then when they decided to go with the sequel, right. that's when they turned him into the supernatural creature at least that's what i'm i'm getting i, I maybe you know other people may disagree but that's what i i feel and well it's gonna make sense though well it makes sense though yeah well he gets set, shot, shot six times and he's arrives and he's, it's not like he's wearing a a, a vest uh, you know right. for, uh, and then a ballistics vest or anything and then after he comes through the glass he gets shot <laughs> again six times too <laughs> And, and then and then we got Lucas saying, "Stay away from him. He's not dead. He's still right. breathing." You know, I'm thinking, yep. okay, he has to be supernatural. And sure enough, he gets right up, kills the the deputy guy, and then he walks as if he hadn't even been hurt. So, and then like you said, Lacey, his hands in the in the scalding water, it's not burning. So I'm I'm assuming that he's some sort of half supernatural, half human monster type thing. Well, let's bring it back just a minute because um, they go to the chalkboard and this is the first time that we hear uh, the phrase Sam Hain. Sam Hain, yes. Sam Hain. Well, yeah, no, you, you, you're right too, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so obviously it's something that's represented with Satan, like Satanism, isn't that what, or is that not right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something to do with the... I, I, it's All Hallows I, Eve. But yeah, like it's it, All Hallows Eve. It has to do with the uh, uh, Irish Druids... And, you know, and whatnot, and and I was gonna read up, up on it, but I, I was too lazy. Uh, well, actually, <laughs> too, I was I was actually too busy. Is what what came to the day job, you know. And then I had soccer with the kids. But uh, yeah, it's it's supposed to mean it depending on on who you talk to. It can either mean um, pagan stuff, which is not really supernatural. A big deal. 
Yeah, and then of course you you know people then then bastardize it and turn it into satanic and and anything that's pagan is is evil and all that. So I think that's what they were they were trying to imply, you know. And and yeah, again, he does have supernatural abilities. Yeah, and it's the pagan side of Halloween, right? It, it makes it Halloween not just a holiday or All Saints Day, which is the next day, but it's the quote unquote original reason of Halloween, which is to do with this pagan supernatural witches and all, druids and all that other stuff. So I think it makes sense that they use that. And, and if he's writing Sam Payne on the wall, you know, then you figure, okay, he has something to do with, with this weird cult, this cult yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's something. Know? Yeah. Which it, it almost feels like it was a subplot dropped because they didn't talk about it again. After that, well, yeah, I, he, he, once they talk. You remember he's talking to the woman in the car about right. about the druids and two hundred years, you know. And then she goes, "Well, yes. what, that doesn't matter about two hundred years ago." But he's talking about, so he kind of talks about it again. But that's about it, right? Yeah, well, I, I, and you're right. It's it represents. Uh, it's a festival that they usually had on Halloween night, and it represents, you know. Uh, um, the, the end of, I think it's summer and the beginning of winter. I mean, I know fall. Winter solace? Yes, yes. And and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I kind of dig that. But at the same time, I really like the aspect of Michael just being human. Um, you know, I, there's just something scary about a guy with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, here's, here's the bigger kind of thing about this, though, right? is I think it's purposefully left ambiguous. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because because it does. It works both ways. And just like, you know, he disappeared at the end of the first one and they could have ended the series there and it would have been just as powerful. Um, the fact that they can keep him going and, and, you know, you don't really know. Like, can he be killed? Like, what is happening here? Like, what does it take? And just that thought, that's another well, scary thought. Like, he's let, an unstoppable force. Well, let's talk about this. Is that, okay, let's say he is just human, which I would I prefer to, Lacey. However, <laughs> even if he's just human, he has some sort of supernatural magic that he's doing to make himself... You know, you know, it's almost like he sold his cell. Yeah, he sold his soul to the devil or something, so he can su- survive bullets and scolding water and and, <laughs> and and you know basically become a zombie Jason, at least in the Halloween franchise. So I think you could still look at him as human, but he's dabbling in some sort of cult satanic magic stuff because otherwise there's no way he could survive you know, 12 bullets in one night, you know? Uh, okay, so basically what is now being trying to convince is the fact that Michael Myers is basically just a psychopathic version of Weekend at Burnings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's what the cult of the, or the Curse of the Thorn is trying to convince us anyways, you know? Well, like, and that's the whole thing too, though. It's, it's the scene in part two where it tries to explain why he's killing or, or maybe not. Maybe, like, just that scene in itself, the fact that, like, it gives insight into Michael, like, hey, he can write, apparently. <laughs> like, simple <laughs> things like that. Like, so he knows what Sam Hain is and all these things. Now, how that how that includes part six, the sequel, 
it, it was kind of a whatever scene in part two, but yeah, that's a much bigger scene when you factor in that it's basically the whole plot of, of part six, which, uh, spoiler Phil, I know you haven't seen it, but yeah, it's like a, a cult basically controlling Michael. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And if they go, if they go all the way to that point, then yeah, right. there is a supernatural aspect. I hate Even, it. You know? Yeah. I mean, so they killed it. <laughs> yeah, so you know, you know so, so technically you could even say that he's not well, you know I was saying that he's a supernatural monster you know I guess you could look at it that he's not a supernatural monster he's just a human that has dabbled in the black arts well, or something well, need- has you know well, needless to say, they retconned it and just went H2O. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. So, and that, and that's why you have to because they realize that 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 not knowing and not you know definitively saying whether he can be killed or not that's kind of the bread and butter of the franchise because those questions don't matter in the end. You, they just want to pump these movies out over and over again. You know why? Because people like me, people like you, Lacey, we're going to keep going back. Yeah. Because they're fun. They're our modern-day monsters, you know? We don't necessarily have the Wolfman anymore. Sorry, Benicio, but we don't. We <laughs> we have our Michaels and our Freddies and our Jasons, and you know what? And our Ghostface. And, they can, and, and our Ghostface. And they can make these movies till the end of time, and I'll probably still be there seeing them. The only problem they they kind of trip themselves up sometimes because you get different directors, you get different writers involved. Too many over, cooks in the kitchen. A lot of time goes by in a lot of these franchises as well. Where hey man, like something that may have worked a couple of years ago, it, that trend is over, and you're you're kind of in a different era now. So you got to keep up. And some worked, some didn't work because of that. Look at look at uh, you know like we just said. Uh, Curse in 95. Horror was deader than dead when that movie came out. Right. That was like the final nail in the coffin. But for this one, you just said trip me up. Right. Uh, One of the things that tripped me up is something that you pointed out to me. Okay. Was uh, I said uh, we were talking about uh, Marion Chambers. Right. The nurse from the first one. Yes. I was like, oh, well, we don't see her again until H2O. And you're like... What do you mean? You were going to call me out on this. Right. right. Yes. Well, I mean, uh, well okay. I mean, she's not in her nurse uniform. Like, I don't even think they say her by name. You didn't. Hey, I'll give you I'll give you this kind of pass. Um, you didn't recognize her just like Loomis did. No, because <laughs> I didn't recognize you. So, so Loomis saw her, what, uh, the night before? In her nurse's outfit when his hand is coming through the window. They literally were in a car ride <laughs> together. Oh, my God. That's, that's a, yeah, that's a bad flaw right there. He and, like, yeah, he would. Well, I didn't finish. even recognize her, though, Phil. He said, he yeah, goes, yeah, but, but oh, he oh, works with her. Like, he what? works with her every day. You know, well, I mean, but she's in. Why, like, why is she in normal clothes though? Like that doesn't really make sense. Like, and why? Like, are they just like? What is her purpose in this fucking movie? Uh, well, the, I'll tell you. Uh, what do you mean? That's the, her whole purpose. She is there to go get Loomis. Yes, yeah, the, the, the mayor called orders. We got a we got a police escort outside. You're coming <laughs> back with us, and then Loomis, like in typical Loomis fashion, like a fucking G that he is, pulls a gun out on him and tells him to turn <laughs> around. Turn around! I shot him six times. Seven. Seventeen <laughs> times now. Um, but but that's the thing. Like again, 
you know, you didn't need her in it. Like nobody's like, oh, where's you know, where where is uh, where is this character? <laughs> but at the same time, um, they brought her back and they gave her a reason to be back. And there is a reason why she was back in H2O, and that is one of my favorite scenes in the whole entire franchise. And she's going to be back. And she's back for the new one, too, in a whole different timeline from H2O. You know, um, a whole different timeline even from part two, because part two doesn't exist in the new timeline. (laughs) So it just, it gets even crazier, you know? So, Phil, I got to ask you, this is uh, kind of a theme uh, that I think is going to transpire throughout all these episodes Mm -hmm. that I'm going to ask all of our guests is, do you think Michael Myers is smart, like borderline genius? You know, that's that's a good question. Uh, I mean, we could look at him as, you know, you know, like like a rain man or or someone like that, where where he has a, a intelligence that is different than the norm. So he, he, he probably has aspects of high IQ in certain spots, but obviously due to, you know, who he, he is. He doesn't have how, social ability. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, th- exactly. That's what I was, well, I was getting at. Yeah. Well, obviously he knows how to, you know, draw blood. <laughs> yeah, mean, well, that that's the thing. You know, I mean. He nurses blood. Like, he can stick a, you know, perfectly. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? I mean, being in the hospital his entire life, he can learn. Uh, oh, know, I love that. Yeah, so so I, I assume that that. I didn't he, think of that. Yeah, so that's that's where I was thinking he, he got that. So yeah, he's definitely a smart guy because he can pick up and learn as he's going, um, and I think that's where he probably learned those things and and can explain away anybody that says, "How the heck can you do that?" You know, because he sees it every day. They're how they needles wow that's very informative actually (laughs) now what do you guys think that his motivation is you know obviously um he's after Lori, and and with this sequel it provides that little nugget that kind of um i don't know defines the franchise for years to come that they are brother and sisters so okay that takes away the randomness of of him seeing her in the first one uh, some will argue that, you know, maybe he doesn't know even that that's his sister and that kind of still applies. But we're just not going to go with that. We're going to go with the fact that he is very well aware that that's his sister because he remembers it. And, she, you know, in the flashbacks, we assume that he remembers those same things that she does in those dream sequences. So with that said, what do you think his motivation is? You know, it, it's it's to kill her. But why? Is there like a rage inside him? Is he pissed off or is it just, is it like a, is it a maniacal thing? I don't know. What do you think? I honestly have no idea because even in the first movie, the one that I'm familiar with, the one I've I've seen prior, I, I still never understood why he killed his his sister at the beginning of the first one never mind why loomis was so adamant that he's evil and all that because we don't really see any of that we just see him kill his, his sister flash forward and he escapes the hospital and starts killing teenagers in his town that he grew up in right and right right so i i have no idea except that he's mentally insane you know i i that's all, all i can think of i i really don't know and i would love someone to explain their opinions and try to convince me that it's that because I, and, I really don't know and you, yeah and you bring up a good point and in terms of how it relates to the horror community and what people really get mad about 
And I, I always thought it was a strange thing for everybody to kind of um, go after Rob Zombie and his take. See, the thing about that is people don't realize Rob Zombie truly, truly doesn't give a fuck. Like, that guy is going to do whatever the hell he wants. And he took he took a stance. He said, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do a complete backstory on it. I really enjoy those movies, but it also makes me appreciate the original as well because that's what that movie is not. That's what those movies are not. And I like having both. It's almost like having your cake and eating it too. You get different versions of some of your favorite characters. Like, I think it's brilliant, you know? And it's not going to take away from the original. And let's face it, they don't explain any of this. They don't explain why Michael is bulletproof and why he keeps going and, and you know, all these things throughout. Well, Rage will do that, though. Right, but to, to, through so many movies, we hear nothing. And then finally, somebody comes in with a definitive stamp and says, okay, this is what I'm going to make. And everybody's up in arms about it. It's like, right. well, I don't understand. Like, what more? Did, did you just want more of the same? Like, do you just want him as as just quiet and just go through for the rest of the, you know, till the end of time, just doing the same thing? Um, I think that you can take different takes on it. And guess what? If you don't like that, the franchise is going to reset itself again anyways in a couple years. So somebody else can have a different take on it. <laughs> and that's what I love about it, though. It's like these characters, Michael Myers in particular is going to live on forever. As long as there's a Halloween every year, there's going to be a Michael Myers and there's going to be Halloween movies being made. Well, and, and to be honest, even if you don't like what they're doing, you still always have the ones you do like, right? I mean, Right, right. I mean, I, all the, the our fellow friends on Facebook who say, they're ruining my franchise. They're right. the original. They, I go, no, they're not really ruining anything because they, the original's still there. I you do that. Enjoy, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. So you know, like I remember when the thing uh, prequel came out, which yes. was absolutely horrible. What do you mean yeah, there's a prequel? Well, oh, you know, that's the one that know. we talked about. Yeah. No, I'm just talking with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You want to pretend it didn't exist. Right. And, right. 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 And you know, people are saying, "Oh my God, they ruined the original." And it's like, no, you just ignore it. And that's what I do. I, it, it doesn't affect, you know. So, you know, like Alien Four, everybody hates. It's like, who cares? It's you still have Alien One and Two, you know. It's right. <laughs> right, guys. Let's get into the final climax of Halloween Two. <laughs> Mr. Sandman, Mr. Deadman. <laughs> wow. I'm so alone. Dum bum bum bum. <laughs> okay, so uh, the final act is like obviously. You know, we find the nurse that's been drained of her blood. What did you think of that kill? Well, well it, was, was, it was off scene, right? So right. I think Lacey didn't like it. This was off scene. Yeah, I hate off screen kills. I really do. Like, you will hear that plenty. And that's why I hated 2018 the most. Well, what about the meme one that they have where he's like, figure up the butt when he's holding her by the scalpel? I thought you said meme. The meme. I mean, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, the well, meme. Well, there is a meme. Of this kill, it says finger up the butt, but like it's obviously a scalpel up the back. Now, is that humanly possible? We talked about this on the first one and how a knife could not hold a human body up against a wall. Could he literally pick somebody up with a scalpel? Well, I well, mean, he's, he's supernatural. 
<laughs> Does that mean so, the scalpel? So, so I mean, well? we're just giving it a pass now. But I feel like we still think he's human at this point. That hey, I'll I'll say this though, that kill is fucking iconic. And you know It's the best kill aside from the hot tub. Well when our when our shoes fall off. When our shoes fall off, I mean that's like Yes! Uh, what a great touch yeah. too. What a great touch. And there yeah. are only certain cuts to where her shoes fall off. Oh really? Oh no shit. See, I, I love that stuff. Like I think that's such a nice touch and yeah, like that kill now, while kind of low-key in terms of, like, you know, nobody really brings it up, like, you know, right off the top. Is This is one of my favorite kills. When you break down this franchise, and it does, it has some entertaining kills, I would say that, yeah, that's probably one of the, one of the top-tier ones. It's probably top five, I would say. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the things that you brought up was the fact that uh, you were confused of why Jimmy was so disoriented when, you know, Lori obviously somehow makes it out to the cars with all the flat tires in right. the building. Right. Like, so obviously Michael is smart. He literally slashed every tire in the parking lot. Right, right. And yeah, well, that whole scene is, is crazy. I mean, and you said this too. It's like Jimmy walks out to the exact car that worries in. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of this going on and, and things like that. Yeah, but yeah. the quinky dinks. He seemed out of it um but you I, didn't know um because they cut it they cut it yeah they, it's not in one of the fucking cuts it, it, you watched it on cable correct and they do cut the scene where the nurse um is you know he has the vein right uh dripping blood and he slips yep. on her blood so yep. like obviously he has a pretty big concussion in my and, and, it, and it's very obvious that he has a concussion in the following scene right yeah so uh, like if you're way. watching these movies on tv like you don't that's the point. Like, this is why physical media is so important. Right. I, and I remember seeing him in that car, and I said, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, what is wrong and, with him? And this was the first time you've seen this. Right. Um, so, what, or okay. it's been a long time. Yeah, well, I rented it first, and then, yeah, I did see it after that. And, and after that, it got, it got confusing because I think maybe the first time I, like I said, when I watch movies, um, man... When I went on my little horror journey as a youngling, it was so sporadic and just so like, oh, like I am going to watch all of these movies, consume as much as possible. <laughs> like I did it every Friday night. I made such a uh, such a big thing about it and I truly love it. And I look at that as one of like kind of the, the reasons why I love horror movies. You know, I just I, I felt a personal connection with those movies, but I do... I do think that in those earlier days, I didn't really pay attention to things like that. But now, obviously, I do. And ironically, it doesn't take away from it. It just kind of adds to it. And I just like talking about it with my friends for hours on podcasts like we are now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we weren't podcasting, we'd be doing it anyway. With exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. We, this is shit we talk about we like just, on our daily. We just have yeah. a microphone of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. might as well share it with, with others since we're, we're going to talk about it anyway. Exactly. So, uh, again, in the final act here, uh, Phil already mentioned where Michael breaks through the glass. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, okay, so... It's so ridiculous. Uh, all right, so one of the reasons that I love this movie, though, is because 
one of the safest places that I would ever think to go is a hospital. Right. And they break that barrier completely in this film. This right. is the first film that did that for me. Like, could, could I could I ask you a question? And this this has been yeah. one of the major flaws of the film, in my opinion, is how can a hospital be empty? Um. Right. Uh, well, it's late at night. I mean, it's kind of well, like don't you have, like, only have it's 1981. We don't have as many staffers. But what did you have? Like every room, like it, the hospitals that I, I go to in this area, and and I'm sure the ones that. Well, no, but even in 1981, when I, when I was a kid, hospitals, at least locally where I lived, I, I grew up basically in Lowell, Massachusetts, which is a, you know like an hour and a half from where Dan used to live, and and I've been to the hospitals where Dan lived, the one in Barn, I mean up on Barnstable and whatnot, because my mother, when she passed, she went to that hospital, and they're they're packed with people, both both patients and staff. So it's just weird that even at, at midnight, you would think that there's still patients and and the regular nurses making sure all those patients are taken care of, and yet here there's like seven people. Well, and also Halloween night, you know, I mean, more people were prone to accidents that night. You'd figure the the ER would be a little bit more bumping at that time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I was Halloween specifically. Right, yeah, exactly. That night in particular. Like, what happened to the kid with the race blade in his mouth? But, but you know what? Right. right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. He's got to take it. He's like, oh, I'm going to go home and eat more chocolate. But I, I do know what he's talking like, <laughs> and, and it does, it feels a little off. Here's one thing, though, that I do like about the hospital scene and and how, you know, the plot with, with Michael and Lori, they kind of converge towards the end, is... It's not, it's not, you know, all just Lori being manic and him chasing her around the entire movie. That's not what the first movie was either. He stalked her for a long time, her and her friends, and slowly killed them until the final battle. Now, with the sequel, you, uh, I'm sure they were tempted to just jump right into it again, right? But right. they didn't. She doesn't even know that he's still alive until, you know, obviously she sees him and then it's on. And she's like, oh. Exactly. And, that, oh. <laughs> and it feels like it feels like that tension from the first movie, you know, and uh, the end of that first movie, the end of the second one feels very similar. And it has that those those vibes and I just absolutely love it and I and I love how they saved that for the end they yeah. could have easily blown that wad earlier on in the movie but they save it and just another example of why I think this movie is brilliant and I love the climax of this film yeah. like to where you get Loomis, Lori, and Michael right. into uh, you know the boiler room of the hospital. Yep. There's, well, there's a couple scenes. There's the elevator, how yeah. it's closing yep. right as he gets there. There's the window where she's got to get up and over. Yeah, and, and they play like, homage so of this and, uh, many of the other films. Correct. And then, you like know, you said, then you get that one. But this one is done so perfectly. Yep. And yep. the problem, though, that we have with this majorly is when she takes the revolver. Well, I mean... Yeah. You want to talk about that, Dan? Okay, so I remember uh, talking about this movie uh, with a couple of police officers, and they literally were like, that is near impossible for somebody who's never shot a gun to then <laughs> shoot directly <laughs> in his eyes. Like, it's crazy. And then, you, like I said before, then you get into like, well, wait a minute. Like, th like if, if that's true, then 
not only can this motherfucker not see, but like he probably should be like dead, deader than dead at this point. Well, so he's supernatural. He's supernatural. He's, and you know what? I think I think it's the the accept the acceptance of that that you know. There's a rule. Yes. <laughs> but, but I do like your point, which is yeah, you know, um, someone that's never fired a gun would be able to be that, that good of a shot. Well, I mean, she's a 17-year-old girl, so how could she do that? Yeah, that, that was a, a definitely a, a question. So you, you just got to go with it, I think. Well, but I, honestly, though, like, and I know it's like a that, you know, I look at, do I really care about it? No, not really. And is it worth it just to see that iconic shot with the blood tears? Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing, right? This is Michael Myers, so you can, you can let it go, you know? Like, when, right. when we were reviewing on the Dark Discussions podcast that, that film, Hush, which uh, I call that asparagus film because she can't cook, the, the, the character. <laughs> and and the, the stupidest scene was when she gets the, the crossbow and she's right. able to shoot the guy, like, 40 feet away, and she's never fired a crossbow in her entire life, never mind knowing how to crank it again. And right. that movie sucked, in my opinion, even though everybody likes it. Ah, but do you not this see film, Sam in that? Oh, I'll tell her to her face. It sucked. <laughs> Jamie, it sucked. It was the worst film ever. But either way, um, I consider it the worst film we've reviewed on my podcast. I oh, my God. It. No, I yeah. love Hush. Oh, Phil, you're crazy. Uh, no, Dan actually... Burn it all down. Burn it all. Uh, we're, we're getting to that. We're getting to that. And uh, Dan actually brought up earlier about the lighter. Well, well uh, yeah. So the 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 lighter that he gets from, um, what is his name, guys? I I don't know. Like I can't think of it. Oh, the anybody... deputy. No, what's his name though? It, it's. Be- while, while you're while, while you're thinking of that name, I have to say, Lacey knows how to get everything back on track when we go off the rails on the side. Well done. Thank it's... you. I I try. I. Really do. You do really um, good because there's been five or six times you've been doing it. It's like, ooh, that was that was a perfect timing there. Well done. <laughs> That's the point of taking notes, in my opinion. You know, it really does help, and I think it does. You know, uh, accelerate the podcast. Um, Gary, to... Gary Hunt, Deputy Gary Hunt. There, yes, yes, Hunt. Yes, I just pulled a lacy <laughs> and brought us back on track. There you go. Well, I was stalling as Dan was looking at the name. <laughs> no, I, and yes, Deputy Hunt. Um, absolutely, yeah. Um, there's just a scene in it, and and listen, I didn't catch this even on my own. Um, it was brought to my attention several times, but I do think it's a, just a nice little movie touch. To where, yeah, him and uh, Hunt are sitting there smoking cigarettes, and and Loomis, the little lighter thief that he is, takes his, <laughs> takes his lighter from him, and it's the same lighter that he later uses to, uh, to you know, as Philip so eloquently says, burn it all down. Burn it, all, and that's exactly what happens. Yep. Like, what did you guys think of this finale? I loved it. I thought it was great. Do you think this would be a good place to end the franchise? You could. You could, and not too many movies can say that, to say you could end it at one, and it would be perfect. And then you can end it at two, and it would be perfect. And you know what? You can even end it at three, because it's got nothing to do with it, and it would be perfect, you know? Well, and you could actually end it at four, because it's hereditary. I'd say end it at three. (laughs) Okay. I I, I was so so bummed that Loomis died. 
Uh, yeah. Well, I think you need to watch part four, and uh, you won't be so bummed anymore. I saw that. I saw I saw clips of like the best of Loomis on YouTube, and, and there's a scene where he's like all burned up talking. I was like, "What's this from?" So it must be uh, for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta watch. Well, then the burns go away. And so, it's, it's please do us a favor and watch the rest of the franchise because it, uh, they're not as good as this one. Uh, this is by far the best. The kills are up in this one, but they're still fun to be had. But you know, you know what? And the, You know what the biggest uh, thing about this whole franchise is, though. We made it a point to. Ch- try and just talk about this movie <laughs> it, it's impossible not to without all the other entries and and all the other takes and just the cultural cultural significance because a lot of those things are attributed to different movies and, within and the your franchise. experiences watching after exactly like if you if you could ask five different people and they could give you five different answers in terms of well is michael myers you it's know because they've seen the other films and so i have to keep bringing dan like hey we have to speak about this film like as it stands alone but but point. that's my point yeah. is is you can't it's 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 almost impossible because it's such a part of our culture and it spans through basically like all of our our entire lifetimes that I I think that just looking at one film, um, you know, on its own worlds, yeah, there's something to say about that. And I think we did say all those things tonight, but there is also all those things of, you know, how it relates to the rest of the franchise or how it doesn't relate to the rest of the franchise. Yeah, and um, I'm honestly going to give you props because I know it's very hard for you to refrain from doing that. And you did a really good job tonight on this one. I don't think I did. I thought I talked about a lot of the other movies, but thank you, baby. Well, I mean, I thought you stayed on track for the most part. No, I'll be honest with you. I This is one of those movies that the more and more I see it, the more and more I like it. And I and I really liked it a while ago, and that still holds holds to be true even now. You know, when I watched it, it's not like I'm seeing anything new at this point, but I, it did give me that feeling of of why I remember loving the sequel, and it's because it is different from the first one. It's more lively. It's got a little bit more action in it, and honestly, I think it's just, in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a better film, but then also, when you look at the original that is great because it's its own thing and nothing really tries to be that, you know? So that in itself, like that's the OG, that is the cream of the crop. Could you do that again? No, and I, I don't know if I would wanna see that again. So the fact that they could see that and then kind of take somewhat of a different take on it, I thought it was brilliant. So should we get into our ratings of the film? Let's do it, Lacey Lou. All right, Phil, we do a one out of five rating here. So what you got? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I guess I'll go three and a half. What the fuck five. is wrong with you? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, that. Hey, hey, I basically said burn to you. About yeah, you know what? I'm gonna publicly shame you for this this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know what? You know why I'm giving it three and a half, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the, the the hospital being empty really bothered me. I mean, it like really irritated me, and. Um, I didn't necessarily like 
the, the two new reveals, which is Laurie is his sister and Michael may be supernatural. And, and, and you know, since I've, I've seen the original like four or five times, whatever, um, and I've never seen really any of the other films, the, I just know Michael as what he is in the first. So mm-hmm. this, this kind of changes what I thought he was a little. So that's the reason why... I I'm going with three and a half. That doesn't mean uh, I don't like it. What it means is the you know the original is just a classic. So if I'm trying to compare, if you know what, if I'm comparing it with any regular slasher, it, you know, meaning it's not Halloween, right? It, it, it's it's yeah, it's as solid as any slasher you're gonna see for sure. But I'm trying, unfortunately, I'm comparing it with the original. Big shoes to fill for sure. And I know exactly what you mean. It's like how how do you compare it to one of the greatest slashers ever made well one of the so greatest I, movies ever made you can argue exactly right? uh, totally i agree uh what about you lacy Lowe? uh well you know i spent a good chunk of my adulthood in the hospital with my mom you know trying to get her better so i know that very late at night there is very minimal staff so um just just based off of that but personally um hospital has always been like a safe place or a safe haven so it's scary the fact that you know it could be infiltrated the way that it was in this um also the kills are up i mean um he's much stronger he's much scarier um yeah i i mean and not only that but it plays upon the first film i mean this is a pretty perfect sequel in my opinion like it takes uh, you know, Halloween night to a new extreme. Um, they reference characters that weren't even on screen in the first one, like Ben Tramer. Um, I mean, they reference, you know, uh, Sheriff Brackett and they make him see his daughter and that's why they take him out of the mix. Um, I, it's a perfect sequel. So it's a five out of five for me. Nice. You know, for a movie called Halloween 2, <laughs> a lot of this movie doesn't even take place on Halloween. What do you mean? It's early into the next morning. If you if you get the timeline, it's November first. It's November first, which which I always thought was was probably the creepiest time. Late night Halloween, you know those late hours where I don't know, like they they say it's it's when the living and the dead there's the least amount of space in between the two worlds, right? So if that's to be true, then yeah, Halloween is the perfect night. It, it's just the ambiance is through the roof, and I always thought that late night, you know, at the hospital with Michael Myers, um, I, it just it creates this ambiance that is just through the roof, and it's almost like we're no longer even at Halloween night. Like we're we're one, two in the morning, and this motherfucker is chasing you down. All right, so Dan, what is your rating of hey, this? They're, 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 they're looking at Lacey. Lacey just put us back on track. <laughs> I mean, I do what I can, but we're still well, waiting on Dan's rating here. Um, I give it a 4.5. I don't think it's it's a perfect film, but I love it. It gets better with every watch. 4.5 for sure. I appreciate your rating. I do. <laughs> I, know, so, I, I feel bad now that I... Well, no, that's your honest opinion. <clears throat> we're not going to ridicule it like I did Dan Chase. Well, no, listen, I think that, <laughs> I think that when I watched it, um, you know... Uh, years ago, like I said, I actually thought there were many aspects of it that just were very odd 
I was like, this is not the Halloween theme. Like, this is not, you know, the the norm, quote unquote. But over the years, I've come to appreciate those things. And I realized that it is superior in a lot of ways. But at the same time, you're never going to touch the OG. But that's why it's the OG. You can't copy that. That is what it is. That's only going to work once. And then you're going to find a new angle, find something different, find a new take on it. That's what Halloween 2 was. And over the years, I've grown to appreciate it more and more to the point where, yeah, I love it. Is it a 5 for me? No, but it's a 4.5. Damn near close. Yeah, no, actually, I appreciate that that you're saying it. Right Um, on, baby. Yeah, so, Phil, why don't you uh, pimp your shit and tell us what you have coming up for podcast-wise? Yes, yes. Um, Well, uh, weekly Dark Discussions podcast, which is part of the Dark Discussions Network, uh, that comes out weekly. And uh, it's basically uh, we review and critique uh, mostly newer films. Um, So, for example, the next one that's coming out um, is called Alone, a 2020 film, same director as uh, the showrunner of Black Summer. Uh, That was my favorite film of uh, Fantasia Fest. That oh, and the Dark and the Wicked. Yes, I, I got nice. an early access screener to it. Um, I did you like the film? Oh, yeah, it was awesome, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, it, it's not a new formula, right? but yeah, they did it but, right. Yeah, yeah, it was really exciting. It was well done. Uh, acting was great and everything. So, I would agree. Yeah, and so th- yeah, so that's that's what comes next and then every week after that there will be another horror film and another 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 uh and you guys wrapped- do uh lovecraft county is that yeah right? we just wrapped up the episode we recorded last night that's why i couldn't do it on tuesday uh this episode with you guys on tuesday because um of that and we wrapped it up because the season finale was on sa- sunday and that episode should come out tomorrow. So it's called A Travel Guide to Lovecraft Country, the podcast. A weekly nice. podcast on the HBO series Lovecraft Country. And so we're going. that's in hiatus or gone forever now because um, I don't know if they have a season two. Um, so that's what we're doing here. And then I, I do a couple other spinoff podcasts, Halloween Boutique, Electronic Reviews, and Cinema a la Carte. And those come out about once a month. Um and such. So yeah, that's uh, oh, and you can find that at darkdiscussions.com. And the 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 feed for all those uh, there's a bunch of them. But if you want to get everything together, you just go to search anywhere for Dark Discussions Network of Podcasts, and that will include all those podcasts. But it will actually include any other podcast on the Dark Discussions Network. So. Yes, and and honestly, um, on that note too. Phil, I just want to uh, thank you for uh, for taking cut to the chase on um, (laughs) while times were were a little iffy and we didn't know what we were going to do. Phil came in and and swooped us up and said, hey, I gotcha. And it's been one of the easiest transitions. It really has. And and you know what? That that means everything to us. And uh, Phil, you're a great guy. And thank you so much for coming on, man. Yes. This has been such a great time. And I love hearing your first thoughts on one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah. So, yeah um, I'm very passionate about it. So thank you guys for sticking with me through it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I mean, a little I'm, biased. Yeah, I mean, it was great to finally see you know, this film that everybody talks about that I had never seen before. I, I, I have to admit, yeah. I have seen pieces of it here and there, you know, on like YouTube, you know, they say best kills or best this, you know, and, you know every so often you'll search for that stuff and, <laughs> and, and they show some of the, the stuff from this film. But uh, I, had, yeah, I, I had 
you know, this is completely fresh for me. And uh, it was kind of cool. And it also was cool to finally get to talk to you folks live and in person. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we will definitely have to do this again. Absolutely. Sometime (laughs) really soon. We're going to have you on uh, the Christmas special as well, Phil. So Yes. Look out for that that in December. Yes. So uh, for this time, it's bum, 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 bum. Baby, what are you doing? I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, He has no idea you what I'm doing. You just, no, like, basically just does these things and expects me to react. She literally just goes, bum, 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 and then, like, literally, like, the hand motion, like, go. And I'm like, I am not going to sing. Well, I don't know Try it again, don't... please, baby. Okay, and don't, but don't, stop trying. All right, ready, Dan? Sing. Like, uh, well, you, you guys should... are an old married couple. You, like, should, you should be the one saying bum, 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 and I should be like, Mr. Dan, man. All right, ready? <laughs> yes. Ready? Bum 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 Please turn on your magic beam, Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him the word that I'm not a Yes? Bring us a dream, give him a pair of eyes with a come-hither gleam. Give him a lonely heart like Polly Archie. And lots of wavy hair like Liberace. Mr. Sandman, someone to hold, someone to hold, would be so peachy. 